Good morning and welcome to the Bat Around, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here on a an overcast but lovely Saturday morning in Baltimore. Just a reminder that the Bat Around is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am your host, Paul Valley, and joining me as always is my quite competent and quite handsome uh, co-host, Zach Goodman. Zach, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Coming off the high of the win last night. Doing yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I'm, exci- I'm, exci- I'm excited about it. You know, I, I watched only like the, the half, uh, I, I guess like the half of the game, uh, like the second half of the game. And I have to say, that was the most fun Orioles game I've watched in probably a month, at least. Yeah, probably since their, um, what was it, 18-5 to victory over Cleveland. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, and, and but arguably, and, this was more exciting. Uh, arguably, they're more, they're, they're, their best win of the year. I like how we glossed over the fact that I just called you randomly, I just called you handsome at the beginning of the show. It's fine. You're, <laughs> it's you're, fine. You're, you're like, I, I don't think I don't think anyone's upset about you're, it. You're like you're like, I uh I know what I look like, so you know I'm used to it. Nah. But Should I have been like, thank you, Paul? I mean, I don't know. You could have told me I'm handsome too. I don't know. Paul, I mean, you were you were I'm, a very handsome guy. <laughs> Paul Paul's got these massive, massive uh arms. Like he he's built so, you know. It's getting weird in here. There we go. It's that's about weird. it. That's what, that's what you, that's it's what getting you, weird That's what here. you wanted. <laughs> that's um, what you wanted. Nah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> no, nah, last night was a fun game. It was a fun game. Orioles were down 5-1 to one in the eighth, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, here comes consecutive loss number 21 on the road, and then the next thing you know, they score four runs, capped off by that Austin Hayes double that he absolutely shredded yeah. To, to, yeah. to center field. Uh, and they were playing him to go oppo. Yeah. They were playing yeah. him way over to the right because that ball is a, a fly ball. Ba- I mean, he scorched it. But it was a line drive to center field, and it got all the way to the wall. It, it was Yeah, hit, hit the ball really hard. Um, I, I thought that ball might have a chance to be like a triple at some point. I mean, he hit that ball really hard, maybe a little bit too hard to be a triple. But he absolutely smoked that ball, and it was on a slider. I like to see Austin Hayes hit the ball where it's not a fastball. It seems like that's kind of his thing is, you know, to hit mistake fastballs. Now he hit a slider, um, and it was a low slider, too. It wasn't like it hung up in the middle of the zone. Um, it was actually a pretty good pitch, so I was happy to see him do that, um, and and that was a big hit. That's the, the kind of hits the Orioles need if they want to actually win games. They need these clutch hits. They need these runners in scoring position hits like that. Well, and when you look at this team, and coming into the game last night, they hadn't scored a run in 24 innings. Yeah. They'd yeah. been shut out in consecutive games, and... I think we just gotta just gotta give it up with the mouse. It, it, it's, the mouse it, is not gonna work. It's not gonna. The work. mouse is the he, mouse is over there dead as a doornail, fiddling around with this mouse. I'm trying and, and to fix like, this mouse. It, it's like, bro, it's gone. I don't know how to use a Mac trackpad. So, like, this is a problem for me during this show, <laughs> trying to figure out how to use a Mac. So, the mouse was basically dead last week. Yeah, too. it was it's basically just, dead. Just something we gotta suck up. Unfortunately. Oh well. But look, the Orioles—they snap a six-game losing streak, a twenty-game road losing streak, and we don't. As Kevin Brown said at the end of the broadcast last night, it's something we will never talk about again. But we're just not going to talk about it. No, right. I'd rather not. Matt Harvey he allowed three runs in five and two-thirds innings, which is totally acceptable to me. He was not away from a quality start. Last week on Sunday, he went four shutout innings before the wheels kind of came off a bit there with four runs allowed in the fifth inning. But he's looked better. And look, on any other team 
except maybe Arizona, this guy's DFA. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, he's sticking around simply because he's a Baltimore Royal. They, they don't. They, they don't have anybody that to replace right. him. I mean, they, it, they yeah. brought up Alexander Wells. Uh, you can make the argument that you got to stop sending Dean Kramer down, calling him back up, even after his debacle the other night. That you just yeah. let him work through it. If you're going to let Matt Harvey work through it, you might as well let Dean Kramer work because through it. Because it's almost like what do they have to lose by right. letting Dean Kramer work through it? It's not like you're going to lose games because Dean Kramer's pitching. You're going to lose games because your team is terrible. Um, and, Dean and, and, and here's the other thing: they they, they don't want to. Sh- People say, "Well, you don't want to shake a young starter's confidence this early in his career." I think his confidence has been shaken. Well, yeah, the, the dude walked five <laughs> yeah. guys and gave yeah. up six runs in a grand slam in a third of an inning. And after the game, he said, "I think it's more mental than anything else." Well, what? what? <laughs> uh, like, like, uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. You, you, you can't. I mean, maybe it's a confidence thing for Dean. I would think it is. I mean, you he, we know he is the talent. You're basically saying that you're in your head. To yeah, to yeah, the media, yeah, and, and, and like which will tear and, you apart. And I was listening to this show the other night, to the post game show the other night when Dean Kramer said that, and they said it to Brandon. I didn't hear him say it, but they said it to Brandon High when they asked about him. And they were like, "Is it a mechanical thing?" Dean said it's more mental. And he goes, "Yeah." Oh, I I didn't hear him say that. Uh, I don't know. And and Hyde almost seemed flustered because he was like, "I don't know what to do." I don't know what to do about Well, it's because this. we know Dean is better than this. We've seen good Dean Kramer, and we've seen Dean Kramer come through the minors and lead the strikeouts, uh, or lead the minors and strikeouts for a year, um, and basically have success everywhere he's been until the majors. Um, and, but that's not to say he didn't have success in 2020, because he did. He was, we, you know, we expected on this show that he would be the number two starter for the Orioles this year behind John Means because of what he did in 2020. He right. has the talent. It's clearly just something. I don't know whether he's injured. I doubt it. I don't think that's something we, nah, we could have heard about. He has thrown but something some, is off. He has thrown some pitches before this past start. Mm-hmm. He has thrown some pitches in his last couple of starts that were elite. That yeah, where, where I some curveballs he breaks off. It's like wow, that's Dean Kramer right there. And, and, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. that looked good. Maybe he's figuring out because the two starts prior, yeah, he gave up some runs in the first inning, but he was good. The, yeah. the two yeah. starts prior, from the second inning to the sixth inning in each of his last two starts, Dean Kramer looked a, like a legitimate major league pitcher. Yeah, I said this to someone the other day, but you, you see Dean on the mound, and he always looks flustered and like really, really, you know, amped up and stuff like that. Maybe he just needs to just calm down a little bit and just let you know let himself trust his stuff, let him pitch. He's trying to overthrow it a little bit. You can definitely tell with the fastball. He's yeah. always missing with that fastball, and he's trying to overthrow it. He's probably trying to, you know, he's probably trying too much to locate it. And, and, and trying to throw as hard as he possibly can and just ends up completely missing the zone altogether, which, you know, when you have Pedro Severino behind the dish does not mean very good things for your team. And that's, it just gets away from him very quickly. But like you said, you sometimes you see glimpses of elite stuff. Yeah, and this guy just needs just needs a good outing. He, he And yeah. when I say a good yeah. outing, he needs to... Seven, the, seven shutout or something. S- send him down to Norfolk, which they did. Yep. And in his next start, he needs to go seven shutout innings, allowing three hits with eight strikeouts. And he needs something to build off of. He can't go down to, tr- to Norfolk, walk four guys in five innings, and give up two runs in five innings. Right. L- like, like right. two runs in five innings, we'd take that to major league level. And Norfolk, if you're going to walk four guys, give up two runs, and this is a hypothetical. Not right? optimal, yeah. Y- you don't want that. I want to see this guy go down to Norfolk and be like, I don't belong here. I belong up there. And right. prove it. Right. Th- like, like, at this point, somebody from that Manny Machado trade needs to prove it. Somebody needs to. 
And Yosniel Diaz, his time may be coming sooner rather than later. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But back to this win last night. Cedric Mullins, two for four, hit his 20th double, had a walk, a run scored. Austin Hayes delivered that big blow as we were talking about two-run game-tying double. He also had a walk and a run scored. Pat Vileka, uh took a bases-loaded walk and attempt to score the go-ahead and the eventual game-winning run. Uh, Trent Thornton walked three guys. Yeah. Blue Jays' bullpen, the, the weakness of this team, clearly, yeah. clearly. Uh, and Trent Thornton, he's he gave up two home runs last Sunday in the eighth inning mm-hmm. um, to Trey Mancini and Pedro Severino, and then he hit Pat Vileka, uh with a pitch after that. The day after, Michael Franco got hit by a pitch by Alec Manoa uh, after he gave up back-to-back home runs. Here's here's one thing. Everybody says that Alec Manoa intentionally threw it at, at Michael Franco. Is, is, is that your opinion? Do you really think he was just trying to bust him in and one got away from him? I don't know. Um, that, it's tough. I, I do think there was some intention behind it. but I, I think there was intent to bust him in and be like, yeah, I'm not going to let yeah, you and, dig and in. He may, it may have just gotten away from him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that I think it was on the side of intentional. Yeah. Uh, definitely was intent to bust him in. Yeah. Whether or not he wanted... I don't think... That, yeah, if I he mean, was trying to hit him, I don't think he throws it where, where he throws it. I think he throws it in his back. I don't not, know if not, there's enough good reason to say that he hit him. Um, you know, I mean, the Orioles have hit a bunch of home runs in that game. They had like six home runs, but Michael Franco wasn't a guy who was like destroying the team that week or something. It's not like he had three home runs that day, and they or he was you know a Rod or the Astros or something where there right. was good reason to be plunked. I don't know. I mean, I, I think like you said, probably more of just trying to push him off the plate a little bit, end up getting away from. Him. Well, and here's the thing: I was watching John Boy. Uh, he broke oh, yeah. it, he broke mm-hmm. this down, and he said, and the Orioles are mad because they're like, look, man, we stink. We're, yeah. te- we're terrible. Yeah. We hit a couple home runs, and you throw at us? What's that about? Hey, it gets his on-base percentage and, up, and, which he yeah. truly needs. Yeah. Oh, 254, get out yeah. of here. Um, then the next day, after a Severino home run, Pat Vileka gets drilled by Trent Thornton. Orioles haven't, right. re- haven't retaliated. And look, that one, we don't think that one was intentional. We, we're pretty sure that one wasn't intentional. Just, Orioles, no, just no reason to that second time. All, all of these people have been talking about how, on the radio, have been talking about how, are the Orioles going to retaliate? Are the Orioles going to retaliate? And through two games of the series, they have not retaliated. Now, they've also, you know, got their, gotten their teeth kicked in. You know what I mean? They lost the last, right. they lost the first game 9 to nothing. They lost last, or they were losing last night 5 to 1. They came back and won the ball game. So I guess maybe they retaliate if they're up 10 to 1 in the 7th today or tomorrow, but A, I'm not convinced that they're going to retaliate. And B, do they need to? Zach, that's a question for you. Yeah, I mean, no, I would rather not. Um I think any base runner you can get out, you try to get him out because the Orioles putting guys on is a, is a recipe for disaster in any way possible. If you're throwing at guys, if you're retaliating, you're probably going to put, you know, they're they're going to they're going to score somehow because it's the Orioles and they will probably let someone score whether it's a home run or a three, you know, a three-run double or whatever it would be. Putting guys on for this team is a really really bad idea. So I yeah. I would I would try not to retaliate, and really they don't have room to retaliate. I think uh, unless you could prove again that it was actually intentional on both of those hit by pitches, I wouldn't necessarily do anything. But I'm sure there's been some consideration of it inside the clubhouse. Yeah, I, I mean you you got to stand up for your teammates, and and that's one of the things I love about um, 
one of the things I love about Freddie Galvis. Yeah, he's a, th- a leader. Th- this is a team guy. Yeah, and he's a leader. Yeah. And you saw him out of the dugout, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had to hold him back, which is like a little big for your britches, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, when, that, when, that was entertaining. When, when you're 22 years old, and Freddie Galvis is a veteran of this league, a successful veteran in this he, league. He's like picking him up and like at this point. Yeah, up. and maybe maybe they're close. It looked like they were like maybe dapping maybe. each other up and, and and joking around the next day. Maybe these guys are close. They have an off season relationship or an off-the-field relationship, and you know you have to assume that that's what it is based on what we, we saw. Now It almost looked like Galvis was smiling when uh, when, <laughs> when Guerrero picked him up, so it was kind of entertaining, but yeah. uh, the rest of the guys are like, you know, punching each other in the face, and there's Freddie Galvis and Vlad Guerrero in the <laughs> corner just, just hanging out. I mean, and, it's, it's uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> entertaining for sure. And then the, um, and the thing is, they have to be, they have to be close because otherwise... If you're an Orioles player and you see a Toronto Blue Jays player picking pull, up your guy, up right? Your guy and pulling right. one of your guys off to the side, you probably have an issue with that. So they probably have a friendship. Um, for me, last night, one of the uh, the low points of this game was Dylan Tate, and he gave uh, up yeah, two yeah. runs in, in an inning in the third. To me, he's been largely ineffective since coming off the the injured list. ERA is about four point two eight. 4.2 which is like fine but it's not it's what you not, want out though. of Dylan Tate. It's not though. When right. you're in the, He's better when, than that. When you're pitching in the out of the bullpen to me in ERA even above 3.5 is like an ERA above 5 and That's a half fair. That's in, fair. In, in a rotation. I, like I remember a 2012 Orioles bullpen where not one guy in that bullpen had had, a, had um an ERA above like 2.7. You know what I mean? I think the, the that the the uh, the worst yeah. ERA that year was that like was a really, three, really, really good. That was, a, that was a phenomenal bullpen. The, the, the strength and look, of that team. The, the, the Orioles aren't going to have that right now. No, but good relievers post ERAs around two and a half at worst. In in my opinion, when I look at Dylan Tate and I see an ERA approaching four and a half, uh, I look at a guy who's not getting the job done, uh, and that was again evident last night. What are you seeing from? Uh, Dylan Tate because yeah. he's got to be better. I think the, the stuff is there. I think it's just again the control, um, just you know not being able to to keep guys off base um, and maybe not having confidence again. It could be another thing where his confidence has been busted after a few good outings. But again, it, it's like Dean Kramer, where we know he is better than this. Like we know we've seen Dylan Tate be really really effective. Like you said. It was really before he came off, you know, before he was on the injured list this year, early in the year, he was pretty good in a small sample size, of course. But then after he comes off the injured list, it just doesn't look like the confidence is there to me. It doesn't look like he's ready to throw strikes. He comes in, you know, kind of dances around the zone a little bit and just, you know, starts putting guys on. And like you said, he's been largely ineffective. I don't know what the problem is with Dylan Tate because, like I said, the stuff is there. He's just maybe, again, like Kramer, got to relax trust or something. Your stuff. And just trust your stuff, right. Yeah. Now, a guy... Who seems to be heating up a little bit? Austin Hayes. He was in a dreadful slump. What was it? Something like four for thirty-eight. Yeah, it was really bad since for coming a, for a stretch. Off, since coming off the IL. But he's then, a very streaky hitter, on, and I think that's what he's going to be. Well, on Thursday night, he uh, he flew out to I, I want to say right field on a ball that they thought may, may have been gone. It turned out it turned into an out. He flew out to deep center field. Hit a ball three hundred ninety-one feet. It was like hundred miles an hour off the bat, and it was an out. 
uh, a lot of ballparks. If he pulls both those balls, they're both probably home runs. Right, but a lot of, right. Uh, the one the one ball had like a 900 uh, expected batting average. The other one had like a 710 like, expected batting average, and and he gets out. Meanwhile, DJ Stewart has been the cause of three balls that had expected batting average of .010. Three. <laughs> Which is out of 21 in Major League Baseball. 21, yeah. and three of them, all Orioles, uh, for the three that, that happened to the Orioles were all to DJ Stewart. All to DJ Stewart. Yeah. So uh, an expecting batting average not even 100, of point zero one zero. That's three hits. Very low. Meanwhile, Austin Hayes hits, has an expected batting average of 900 and 700 on back-to-back hit, on back-to-back bats, and has nothing to show for it. And then he laced a single in his final bat of that game Thursday. And then you see him lace that double in that game to, to drive in two yesterday. When Austin Hayes yeah. gets going, I'm not going to say he can carry a team, but when he gets going... This team is better. He is dangerous when he gets yes. going. He he will every time he comes up to the plate. You go, you know. And Brandon Hyde always calls him action, and I don't want to use that nickname because I'm not a fan of it. But he does create action. He you know he's a guy who who you know when he comes up to the plate, something happens. He plays hard and he's electric, and that's what you know. When Austin Hayes is going, this team is better. When he's healthy, this team is better. He gets in these slumps, and he's a very streaky hitter. Perhaps the most streaky hitter on the team. You know, he he's a guy who will go like you said, four for thirty eight, and then he'll go you know nineteen for like thirty five at some point too. Yeah, that's just the way he is. Um, when I, when but I, we've come to accept that, I guess. When when I, when I look at Austin Hayes, I used to think. This is a guy who's going to be an all-star. Yes. Now, now when I, I don't when, know when, if that's there anymore. When I, when I look at him, I see a guy who, at his best, in my opinion, is going to hit about 260. And, and that's and, fine. And, and That'd, he, be fine. And, That'd be fine. And he might hit 20 homers at the big league level. He has the pop. If he but, can ever stay healthy long but, enough but to but do it. But he's got, what, five, six home runs right now? Uh, I want to say six or seven, yeah. yeah he's it, up at that point. Yeah, he, he he's... He, I don't even think he might only have four. Here, I'll get that number for us right now. But I look at Austin Hayes, and is he a guy who you depend on to be? Uh, look, the fielding is there. He's good enough to play every day. Right. He has six home runs. Six home six, runs. And, and .5 WAR. So he's clearly been valuable enough. You know. Well, his defense is elite. Right. He's, right. An, elite, he's exactly. an elite defender exactly. at any outfield spot. Uh, if he's going to hit 260 with 15 to 25 home runs in a season and play that kind of defense and have that kind of an arm, then, yeah, that that's a yeah. guy that you, you, you put him in left field and you just leave him alone. But he's got to stay on the field. And the Orioles, I, I mean, I don't. I, I love Austin Hayes almost more than anyone on this team. I think Austin Hayes is and, and was the maybe the, the guy who has the most potential on this entire roster. But the problem is, is that you can have as much potential as you want and you can do as many things great as you can when you're healthy. But when you're only on the field for 70, 80 games a year, which is not, I mean, he hasn't even been on the field that long in some of the years in the past, it's just not that valuable to a team. Guy, you know, as much as I love the guy and I see everything in the world that he has, I mean, he's such a really talented guy. It just—it's it, frustrating that he's never on the field, and then when he is, he's kind of streaky sometimes. Well, well, and the reason that he's streaky, you have to imagine, is because he—he's not on the field long enough to get into a room. Right, exactly. You know, he—he exactly. he, he plays twenty games, and he has another soft tissue injury. Whether it's yeah. his left hamstring, his right hamstring, his shoulder. Now, some of his injuries have been flukes, right? You, you slide getting into hit second by the pitch, base, getting hit by a pitch and cracking a rib. You slide into second base and you break your thumb. But he, other ones. A, a, a shoulder issue from working out too hard. Uh, two uh, strained hamstrings, one in each leg, uh, in the first two months of this season. And even even now, 
it doesn't really seem like he's running 100% yet. There is no question he's still injured. Yeah. There's no question. And, and so is Anthony Santander. I would say even more so is Santander. Yeah. He is limping everywhere. This guy has no mobility right now. I have no idea how he, he was able to score, I think, from second base last no, night. No, he was on first. He was on first. Yeah, so he re- he was booking it around, clearly injured on, on the well, ankle the, the and everything. The only thing is that there were two outs. You're off on contact. Yeah. And the ball— So you do get and, the head start. And, and you get the head start, and on top of that— the center fielder was playing in right center field, and that ball was yeah. hit just to yeah. the left side of the second base bag and got to the wall. L- look, Matt Wieters would have scored from first on that. Okay? <laughs> True, good point. So yeah. it, it's I, I, honestly, when he hit it, I'm sitting there, I'm like, is Santander going to score? Is he going to score to tie this game? And I look, and he scored, and he scored by a good bit. Yeah. You know, the guy's still hurt. And Definitely. we're we're gonna talk about that in down on the farm because I have I, I have some moves that I want to see the Orioles make whether it's now or after the All Star break that could at least make this team a little bit more exciting watchable. And while you actually get stand on the line, I'm gonna talk about the rest of the show. Uh, so we have a stand in a matter of moments at 10:20. Uh, down on the farm at 10:50. Usually we have a second guest on the show at 10:50. There's so much to talk about today. We decided to go with uh, Stan at 10:20 and one other guest at 11:35. So 10:50 down on the farm. Um, we're gonna talk about all the call, all, all the promotions at the minor league level and some moves I want to see. Uh, we have the payoff pitch around the league at 11:15. Full disclosure. I did the payoff pitch around the league at about 2.40 in the morning. It took me – I got home from work super late last night, and I was so tired, and I was pretty pretty darn cynical uh, about some – I'm very uh, much – I haven't read it yet. I'm very much looking forward uh, to it. About some of these games last night, like the Phillies and Mets put their fans through two eight-inning extra-inning games where the final score was 2-1. to one. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, so that's at, uh, at 11.15. Orioles banter at 11.20, talking about just how terrible this team has been. Uh, then 11.35, Press Box's own Glenn Clark from Glenn Clark Radio. And everybody's favorite, Take to Rake at 11.55-ish. But before we get to any of that, before we get to Stan, we have Sounding Off with Zach Goodman. All right, I don't know if anyone saw the Bill Shikin. I believe it's Bill Shikin is how you pronounce it. Uh, the tweet he put out yesterday about the Orioles DFAing uh, Mickey Janis after the one outing he had. He got roughed up. He gave up a ton of runs to the Astros. He absolutely got slammed. Um, he did have a, f- a good first inning. He was able to be effective. But clearly the Astros were all over him. His knuckleball doesn't move someone like R.A. Dickey or something. It's just not not that quite an, a, a, a good of knuckleball as, as others have had. Um, and he just had no effectiveness. He really couldn't get anyone out. But the Orioles DFA'd him a, a day later, and Bill Shikin tweeted about it. Bill Shikin's kind of a national guy. Gets a gets a broader audience than like Orioles fans or anything. So, a bunch of fans around the league absolutely blasted the Orioles because of this tweet. Like, it, it was... It, People were, uh, tweets were blowing up with 200, 300 likes about how the Orioles are an unserious organization and they're they're a terrible organization for doing this to him. Um, they have nothing to lose, so why not throw him out there? All this stuff and that, oh, our team should claim him because this guy is so good. All, like, people are just blasting the Orioles for, for DFAing Mickey Janis. And, like, I get it. He's a fun guy. He's, he's a knuckleballer. Knuckleballers are a ton of fun. R.A. Dickey was one of the most fun pitchers to watch in baseball. Um, he's a guy who spent 11 years trying to get to the major leagues, and now he's finally done it. It's an accomplishment for him, for sure. But, like, this is a business. DFAs happen all the time, whether you like it or not. It's always going to happen. People calling the Orioles unserious for doing this, like, that doesn't even make any sense. They gave, they gave the opportunity to a guy who's, you know, 24, 25 years old, and Alex Wells, who has a much higher ceiling and a much, you know, uh, he could have a much more impactful, you know, th- thing going for the Orioles in the next couple weeks than, than a guy like Mickey Janis could. As fun as Mickey Janis is, 
let's let's not call the Orioles and destroy them because they're the low hanging fruit as usual. You know, the Orioles. Let's just destroy them because they DFA'd the fun guy. I just don't think there's any reason to get too upset about this Mickey Janice thing. How many mid thirties? Slow throwing or soft throwing relievers? Do you need right right on a team? Like, look, we get it. The Orioles are arguably the worst team in baseball. Would be if if Arizona didn't exist. But this this is what happens. It's it's a business. I'm not up in arms about a 33 year old rookie getting DFA'd after a horrible outing. Like. Look, they, they already have this in, in Cesar Valdez. Who gets roughed up like every other time right. he comes who, in the game. Who's on the, the injured list. Right. Why do they need two of them? And <laughs> exactly. You want to you take Mickey Janice and put him in the middle of your bullpen and have him go out and give up seven runs? If the Yankees want to claim him, feel free. But, but, by all means. Feel but, free. Uh, and let's get Stan on the line for his opinion on this. I just... For me, I just don't under... I, I don't see how people are just blasting the Orioles for this. Like... like do people even know who Mickey Janice is? Stan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't have much of a thought on, on this. Um, I was suspicious that uh, Mickey Janice was just what we thought he was. And, uh, you know, the only thing I could say is maybe he would have kept him around, not not as a joke, I mean, just to see what he did against another team. I mean, the Houston sure, Astros yeah, yeah. are one powerful hitting team they are. right now. They, they are. are really... You know, all the stuff, as much as I wanted to believe that all of their success from the year they won the World Series came from cheating, uh, Jose Altuve isn't cheating this year, and he's got about 17 or 18 home runs, having an MVP-type season after it started out injured. Um, I, I can't get too exercised about what they did. I mean, it does it does seem kind of heartless that they may... What, what I find a little bit more offensive is how they make it such a story. They had the, you know, the cameras focus on his family at the game. And this is a wonderful moment. And he gives up seven runs and they, you know, DFA him. I mean, it does seem kind of heartless, but it is, as Zach said, it is a business, you know, and the business is getting people out. And he didn't show enough to make me think he could give, get people out. Well, it's just another. I think more so the ire here is that it's just another reason to, to for, go for, after the Orioles for people to blast yeah. the, the Orioles. I mean, it, it makes you really feel like this could have been anybody. It could have been anybody who had any kind of track record of pitching in the minor leagues right. and finally made their debut, and then they get DFA. But this teams do I mean, this where, every day. Where was every this day. guy? I mean, he's thirty-three years old. I, I had never heard of him before this this spring training. Me either. Me either. Yeah. He's been so in the he, for he years. hasn't been on too much, uh, too many radars. You know, listen, guys. I've I've used the expression several times this year that Mike Mike Elias is spinning plates. You know, it's what the guy that used to be on the variety show did. Right. It's now America's Got Talent. You know, but he's got all these plates up in the air, and he's that's what the Orioles are trying to do right now to get through the season. They're trying to humor their fans with with a sleight of hand trick that, oh, well, we'll get rid of Mickey Janice and we'll bring up Alexander Wells and we'll bring up this guy and that guy, and it's all about getting through this season right now. You know? Yeah, and it's it's funny that you say that, Sam, because I was I was tracking the game uh, when they lost 13 to nothing. I'm sorry, when they lost 9 to nothing the other day, and it's 6 to nothing with one out, and then uh, 
Dean Kramer. And one out in the first inning. One out in the first inning, and, right. D- and Dean Kramer walks another guy. And I sat right. there, and I said to myself, how am I going to get through this game? And yeah. Because the, the job that I was doing, I have to listen to every pitch of every inning yeah. to do what I'm doing. And I, I literally sat there, I'm like, this is going to be the longest night of my life. And it took mm-hmm. an hour and a half to play the first three innings. Uh, you're looking at this at this team and you're almost you almost have this feeling of doom and despair every game. Like like is there any way to yep. reverse course to at least make this team watchable for the rest yeah. of the season? Well, look, they, they in in fairness to Mike, you know, more so than probably any other organization in baseball because the Tigers their pitching was further along, their pitching prospects were further along when the pandemic came. The Orioles missed a, a crucial year of, and when I say crucial, I mean crucial that might have impacted 2021. They missed a crucial year in their rebuild. Um, so you, you got, I'm not saying you, they deserve a pass for that, but you've you got you to gotta sort of acknowledge that and put that into context. Having said that, they also got some terrible luck with John Means, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but the thing man. about John Means is this is now the third year he's had something like exactly like this. So the I'm not saying go out and trade him the minute he gets back and throws up two two good performances, but it it wouldn't crush me if they did because I all this talk about John Means being an ace. Aces are guys like Jim Palmer, who threw 300 innings eight or nine times. You know, there are guys like Clayton Kershaw, who threw, throw in this generation 220, 230 most every season. You know, and of course, Clayton has had back trouble the last couple of years. But you get my drift. Dave Stewart, Dave Stewart was an ace for four or five years, you know, six years. John Means can't be called an ace because he doesn't go to the post enough innings. You know, yeah. and it's very simple. And uh, until this team really gets the development of these pitchers down, it's it's going to be kind of ugly because they're not going to invest. They're not going to invest in the middle of a rebuild, big dollars for pitching. But as I pointed out, and I've talked to Peter Schmuck about this, and Peter thinks the biggest miscalculation that Michael Elias made is even if you'd gone out and and gotten three three million dollar relief pitchers, you know, not Adam Plutko, but somebody like Adam Plutko that can really do the job. This could this could have looked a lot different this year, but the team wasn't concerned with how it looked this year, and they've got, frankly, they've got egg on their face because they miscalculated how bad this could be. Well, you know, you know, the first year when when things got off to. And again, I'm not beating up on Mike uh, Elias, but the first season, when things got very ugly two weeks into the season, he dipped into his bag of tricks and pulled out Dan Straley. And we all remember how that turned out. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he, in his mind, thought it could ever get that ugly again. And this season has turned out pretty ugly in the pitching department. I, the Orioles went out, obviously, and they signed a guy like Michael Franco. And Michael Franco was supposed to provide, you know, a, a more, I guess, substantial production at third base than a guy like Rio Ruiz would. Um, we, we knew, and, we knew, and he has. I mean, he's not a 155 hitter like Rio Ruiz or a no, 180 but, hitter 
but he's driven in 38 runs. His defense yeah. is is fair, you know, right. at best. But uh, but he's he's gonna he's got a chance to drive in 80 runs this year. I mean, that's a fair in, in he, today's he baseball. 220 average and 80 RBIs is pretty decent. But my question was more going to be centered, you know, yeah. what Michael Franco has done is on base percentage is around 250 right now, which is not so yeah. good. But should the Orioles, you know, knowing what this team is going to be, or maybe they didn't realize that what this team was going to be, should they have signed more guys like Franco where it's such a low cost? You basically are paying him nothing. Uh, I, I don't to, think, to I don't think having more guys like Mikel Franco would have moved the needle. I think, Having guys, and I'm I'm straining to think of who the who the right guys are, but you know, figuring out those middle innings of games better than they did, and it looked like yeah. the, it looked early on like the acquisition of Adam Plutko was like this fortunate, lucky thing that the Orioles got. And I, I don't mean to tear him to pieces, but he ended up kind of flopping out for the most part after a great start. But if they had had three guys like that, or the guy, how about the guy that I begged them to sign was Colin McHugh. You know, yes, I was just going to mention McHugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, thinking, that, that that Matt, thinking that Matt Harvey and Dean Kramer and and Keegan Aiken were going to really make this a solid enough rotation not to be embarrassed. I mean that game. That game, Dean Kramer's game was an absolute embarrassment. It was horrible. You know? But I mean, even, even absolutely a, horrible. A guy like Colin Q, you know, he's not going to light the world on fire or anything. But at least he stabilizes the rotation and gives you someone to throw out there every five days. You know, well, and, the, the way the Rays have used him may be the best way to have used him, and that would have kept games. I mean, really, you're not you're not really talking about how much, how many more wins they had it could have. It's sort of how little and less embarrassing they think, exactly. What I, yeah, exactly what I mean yeah. for sure. This has got really. This has really gotten bad this year. Yeah. And frankly, I I didn't foresee it because I thought Means was probably going to graduate and throw 170 innings this year, 160 innings. You know, I did, didn't think he would be out after. How many innings does he have this year? I have no internet, by the I'm way. My internet went out last night. Somebody called BG&E in our neighborhood, and the, the second Austin Hayes is on my fantasy team, did the first positive thing he's done in a month, and he's standing on second base taking his lead. My picture, we heard a pop outside, and our internet and our TVs haven't worked since. Se- our Comcast is down. 71 innings for John Means. 71 innings. I, 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 it's surprising it was that many so sort of so soon, but... You know, he's looking like he'll get 100 and, 120 innings this year. Yeah, through 155 in his rookie year in 2019. So right. he and might he not a, get there. He had a sustained situation just like this. It may have even been two of them. It may have been a short one for like 10 or 12 days right after he had sort of arrived. And by arrived, I mean metaphorically. Um, that that he was somebody we thought, hey, we got somebody good here. He had a very short stay on the um, uh, the IL, and then I'm trying to remember if they called it the IL in 2019. Um, but he had a short stay then, and then then about six or eight weeks later, he had more of a sustained stay. But he threw 155 innings. That's not the stuff. 
that an ace is made out of. That's a nice complimentary pitcher uh, who it would be nice right now to have five of those guys. Yeah. But they, you know. Well, and, and I'm glad you, you uh, talk about John Means because there was a video of him possibly going to a foreign substance in his glove um, from earlier in this season. And now Major League umpires and Major League Baseball are cracking down on pitchers using foreign, foreign substances. We talked about this in the previous weeks of this show. Uh, Monday was the day the umpires began checking starting pitchers for foreign – and all pitchers for foreign substances yep. – a, do you like the way they're going about this? Uh, first and foremost, do you like the way that they're going about this, and do you think it's sustainable? Uh, I, I don't know how long they intend to, um, you know, in, in my day, and I've watched a lot of baseball since the, the mid-1950s, late-1950s, these kind of things were, you know, about cutting the baseball with your belt buckle, um Yes, having some kind of substance under your hat or or spitball, um, but it, it used to be that the other team had to complain about it. You know, right? Um, now having this universal checking every pitcher. I mean, come on. I, I I give credit to Matt Harvey last night for giving the Orioles a solid performance last night for five plus innings. But really, is it really necessary to check? check the hat and check the glove of a pitcher whose last eight starts, I think his earn run average is like 13 or 14 or right. something like that. I mean, geez, it whiz. If that's, if that's what it's come to, it's kind of a little ridiculous in my opinion. Well, then- As to whether means use substance, if he did, it was merely, it wasn't to actually move the ball, the baseball it was to have a grip that maybe helped his, his release of his changeup a little bit, but you wouldn't want too much on that because you don't want the ball to stick in your, you know, right. in your palm. Right. Now, what about when they check guys like uh, Dean Kramer, who gave up six runs in the third of the uh, Yeah, what is the point or, of that? Or, or like, they, they, they check Mickey Janice. Did they check, who, did they check Mickey Janice? They, they check so? Mickey Janice, who's, who He's has trying to take a zero, zero spin rate. Yeah, zero spin rate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. That would be a great, that's a great claim to fame for Mickey Janice now. He goes, well, I, I was uh, pulled over you know, by the umpires after the, the two innings I pitched in Major League Baseball. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. I shouldn't be making fun of Mickey Janice, you know. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's like, and then I, I think you may have been the one to ask the question, Stan, but I, I could be wrong here. Uh, Brandon High was asked if there's gamesmanship by the umpires. Um, no, no, I wasn't, I didn't ask that question. Okay. I, I, I hear you on every post game show and I, and I, and I'm like, oh, that's a great question. Stan just asked. I couldn't remember that was one of them, but right. so Brandon Hyde was asked, is there gamesmanship? amongst managers when it comes to this stuff. And he says they were told by the league that they're not allowed to do that, that they're not allowed to get into a pitcher's head by asking them to be checked. However, right. Joe, Girardi, Joe Girardi did it. He, has, he, he yeah. has Max Scherzer checked for a fourth time the other day, resulted in a confrontation that ultimately got Girardi ejected because he was basically trying to fight Max Scherzer on the field. Right. We, we know Girardi's reputation. Is there any way that that wasn't gamesmanship on his part? And honestly, how do you police that? Uh, how do you say, oh, nope, you're only asking because you want to stop him from pitching a good game? Like, how do you police that? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, it's, it's amazing out of all the situations we've had in the first week of this, you know, where they're checking every pitcher. 
that that somehow became a cause celeb that they that Joe Girardi went, you know, so it's got to be gamesmanship, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. And we know his reputation when he would, he'd bring in a relief pitcher for one batter, then go get another one. He'd use nine pitchers from the seventh inning to the ninth inning. It, it just, it, it's 100% gamesmanship, and, and I just I just don't know how you police it. Now, yeah. you know what galled me this year of all the things I've seen a manager do was Kevin Cash. The night that um, one of his relief pitchers got got hurt and had to be pulled from the game, and you, we all know the rule that, in other words, if a pitcher is not warming up in the bullpen and comes in because of injury, he can throw as many pitches as he wants. Once, you know, there's no limit. Um, and Rich Thompson came into that game at Oriole Park at Camden Yards and must have thrown thirty literally 30, 35 pitches, okay? And I'm going, Jesus, come on, let's get this game on. He retires the one guy in the bottom of the eighth inning or seventh inning, and then Cash brought in a new pitcher the next inning. I mean, I I thought that that was just such disdain for the uh, fans that were out at that game. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 maneuverability and and the way these guys try to impact the game the way that they can it, it's it's been like this for a long time and it's it, it's certainly frustrating and you look at a guy like like Kevin Cash and it, he kind of is building a reputation for doing stuff like this uh, but he's got he's a, listen he's a he's a very good manager uh, nobody's going to question that and uh, right. And and he's got a good thing going there because the management of the team is really smart, but he is developing a reputation, uh, uh, you know, of being sort of a prima donna. Yeah, I guess that's what winning does. We haven't felt that yep. around here for a yep. long time. Yep. Yep. Um, now, Stan, what does it mean for baseball? Uh, and moving to another topic here, the three of its most polarizing players, you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Shohei Otani, all three MVP candidates in their respective leagues. They're all battling it out for the home run title right now. Is that How good is that for baseball right now? Uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. I mean, what did Tatis hit three home runs last night? In the first four innings, yep. yep. Jeez, a whiz. Boy, he's amazing. Amazing play, young player. I might want to have him check for some foreign subs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and uh, don't want to be Joe Girardi. Listen, all three of those guys are, you know, worth the price of admission. The, lar- the larger question is, and, and we did our Zoom, if anybody wants to watch it, they can go to pressboxonline.com and look under the video thing and see the sports business piece we did with Marty Conway and Andy Dolich. And um, the the lack of promotion, marketing by Major League Baseball with their star players, I think is kind of you know, not scandalous. Is too too strong a word. It's just just stupid. You know, it's so poor. It's so yeah. poor that we don't see. Michael I mean, we're we're like three weeks away from the All Star game, right? And this is the big story we have is this umpires checking the baseballs, right. not doing some really intense marketing about Wander Franco coming up. Right. You know, at least, in, you know, uh, Marty sent me a, an email this morning. He says, you know, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable that MLB is not producing ads that they then run in different markets 
to to get people to come out to games, you know, to see these star players. I mean, when, when you watch the NFL playoffs, the entire NFL playoffs, they advertise for the Pro Bowl. Nobody even watches the Pro Bowl. Like, the Pro Bowl is one of the least right. interesting right. events of the entire year. But they, they advertise it for it throughout the entire NFL playoffs. Yep. We're coming up to the All-Star game, and I don't think I've seen a single ad about it. You don't you don't know who's in the All-Star game yet. I mean, we don't know who's going to be there yet. But obviously, guys like Mike Trout are probably going to be in that. But there is no marketing. There is no, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of showing they really off get, your players. They really get a, a failing grade at marketing the product uh, uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, right, it never changes. Yeah, they, oh, this they has never been, do been it. ongoing for a long, long time. You know, the NBA probably does the best job of marketing its players. You know, they do. They do by yeah. far. I mean, you see Giannis and LeBron and all these different commercials and stuff. It just it's they yeah. do a much better job. I think Mike Trout used to do Subway commercials like ten years ago, but not anymore. <laughs> Other than that, not anymore. I mean, it, you don't right. really see. Well, they had Mike Trout and they had Ryan Howard just yeah, his Ryan career Howard, yeah. went south. You know? we, we used to see Chris Tillman eating hot dogs yes, on Royal yeah. Farms. Joey, Joey Rickard yeah. was on some Royal yeah. Farms commercials. The legend, Joey Rickard, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but with speaking of <sighs> Joey tattoos. Rickard. Yeah, no, man. Yeah. <laughs> what, Speaking, a fun, what a fun piece like of the Like the fact that, that, and this was during the Orioles winning years, like 2016, mm-hmm. and they have Joey Rickard and Royal yeah, Farms. I know, I know. What? I like the Haloni Nada ones more personally, but those uh, well, are pretty amazing. Nada was great. Yeah, that's was. why they brought Rickard. They brought Rickard in the same time they brought Justin Tucker in. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, were yeah. like sampling, using a baseball player, and then Tucker blew up. You know, he's been an incredible find. Pumping gas like I'm doing now. (laughs) I get it. Like, and with Joey Rickard, talk about taking a really good spring training and making the most out of it. It's like what Buck Showalter said. How many times have people been fooled by spring training numbers? Apparently, Royal Farms was 100% fooled by Joey Rickard's 2016 spring training. (laughs) I think so. Um, now, getting back to Tatis and Guerrero. Tatis and Guerrero, they aren't participating in the Home Run Derby. The talk was that they were going to sh- face off, and they were seemingly excited about facing off against each other in that Home Run Derby. Tatis said he's not going to do it because of his shoulder. Guerrero said that he's not going to risk it, not going to risk injury and all that by, by doing it as well. And he's on pace for a Triple Crown season here. Um, are you disappointed that Tatis and Guerrero aren't in it, and do you also think that maybe this opens the door for a guy like Trey Mancini, who would be an amazing story participating in the home run? Yeah, that would be a great story. Listen, I'm not going to judge any player in this day and age with these obliques popping out, you know, uh, and and the sort of, it's unscientific, but there have been several players that have participated in that and gone pretty far in it that have sort of seen a downturn in their stats after they get back to playing baseball. Um, I'm not going to question any player that, oh, he should do this, he shouldn't do this. Tatis has got legitimate major injury concerns. And this is a, you know, this is an exhibition. You have, you, know, to, you have to respect the, the decision, really. Yeah. It's probably yeah. the best decision for his future. And a lot of guys, I mean, you always hear in the Home Run Derby, they say, oh, that screwed up my swing for the whole second half. Because you're trying, you know. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's unscientific, yeah, yeah. but there have been a lot of people that have, and I can't remember who's coming to mind right now. Aaron but Judge. They, yeah, who? Aaron Judge. Aaron, Aaron Judge, Judge, right, right. And Judge is another guy that's got terrible injury problems, you know. He said that he won't do the Home Run Derby again until it's in New York. Which, yeah. how long is that going to be? Yeah, you know, his career may be over before that happens again. Well, but, we'll be in City Field or Yankee Stadium. Yeah, exactly. They'll probably get one of those two stadiums. Will probably get the All Star Game again before, before Judge's York. career. 
Nah, Camden Yards will end up with one. I hope so. Well, but Camden Yards will end up with one when the Orioles get good again. Uh, you, you, you have to imagine. Now, that's uh, not exactly when the Orioles need the help. You know, they could use the help in the next two or three years oh, to they have one. And I think, yeah. and I think they will. You know, I think the relationship that Peter Angelos had with MLB. Um, I think John has a much healthier relationship yeah, yeah, with Rob definitely. Manfred. Well, that's certainly good to hear then because it's been way too long, especially when you factor in the fact that other teams have had two and maybe even three All-Star games since the Orioles last had one. Yeah. Um, the Orioles stand there facing the Blue Jays again less than a week after starting pitcher Alec Manoa uh, drilled Michael Franco in the shoulder on the first pitch after giving up back-to-back home runs. Look, look Tor- Toronto ultimately, they won the game. Uh, Manoa was ejected and ultimately suspended, although he's appealing that right now, which is why he was able to start last night. Next day, Pat Valleca got hit by a pitch after Pedro Severino home run, though we don't think there was any intent there. There has been talk that the Orioles could retaliate amongst the media, um, but they haven't done it yet. Are you surprised that they haven't retaliated, and how do you feel about pitching someone inside after allowing a few home runs? Well, I, I have no problem pitching inside at any time. A pitcher, a pitcher who's not going to pitch inside is going to have a real hard time succeeding, okay? But there's ways to pitch inside, and um, there's there's ways that are dangerous to pitch inside. But, um, you know, I, I, I always take the Earl Weaver approach, to, you know, that, yeah, it's, it's terrible to get one of your players hit, Okay, and and when you believe it's intentional, but to me, there are other less less um, sort of risky maneuvers than retaliating because retaliation can lead to a fight, which can lead to injuries. And I'll tell you, I'll never okay. forget. I was uh, I was not at the ballpark that day. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was Chris Passio against Mike Messina, uh, yep. and I, I think remember. the year was like ninety. Three or ninety four, I think, because uh, um, it was at Camden Yards. I'm almost positive it was Camden Yards. Yes, yeah, so it was. But, it was the Orioles against the Mariners. It was a Sunday in 1993. I was eight years old. I remember being okay. at my uncle Mike's house yep. watching the game. Yeah, the reason I'm having trouble is I'm trying to think. I, I know where I lived, but I'm envisioning myself watching that at some other place that I lived, which would have been made it in the 80s. But it was definitely 93. Uh, and the Orioles had a pitcher that I had a little something to do with them acquiring the year before, which was Rick Sutcliffe. And Chris Basio was pitching that day and was throwing, no question, intentionally at three or four Oriole players and at their ankles, which was an interesting tactic. Um, and Sutcliffe must have pulled Mucina aside and said, you got to do something. And Sutcliffe, uh, Musina hit Bill Hasselman, the uh, backup catcher for the Seattle Mariners. And he hit him up high. And catching that day was not the Orioles' regular catcher, but it was Jeff Tackett, the number two catcher. Mm-hmm. I think Mickey Tettleton would have been the catcher no, in 93. It, it, no, it was Chris Hoyles. Tettleton was already. Chris Hoyles, that's right. Chris, Chris Hoyles was the number one catcher, but he wasn't playing that day, and Tackett was playing. And, ha- and Tackett let. Hasselman charged the mound without grabbing him first or getting in the way of him. And he went after Musina. And that's also the day that Cal Ripken got in into the fight 
whether he was trying to just pick somebody up or something, and he wrenched his his knee. back, I think it, it was. was. And it, well, there were two injuries that could have kept Cal's streak from continuing. I thought they... I thought the knee was the one that he hurt in the, at a game at the Naval Academy. No, the but knee anyway, twisted the knee it was, pulled somebody it, off the pile. Okay, it was pulling off somebody off the pile. And it was a very real possibility that he could have lost his streak because we retaliated. Uh, and I've always taken that approach, which is the Earl Weaver approach, is you have more to lose than the opposition. You know, But so. in, in this instance... It, the Orioles and their second worst record in all of Major League Baseball, and a team that's just really faltering on all on all fronts right now. What do they really have to lose? I'm not advocating for retaliating, but if you were ever going to retaliate, wouldn't it be with a team like this, where you know you're not in danger of? Well, I mean, you make you make an an interesting point that yeah, what's the difference if the Orioles lose 104 games or 112 games? Okay, so they should retaliate. I just think as a philosophy, I like the overall, the Orioles approach to it is that that's not what the retaliation needs to come as it did with an immediate ejection by the umpires and then the suspension. And I don't think this guy has a chance in hell at not getting five days on yeah, this thing. Yeah. And, and the thing is, and they usually in, in, in explanation, they usually cut it one or two days because what's the real difference he's he's not really going to miss a start they'll do it when there's an off day during the five days you know right right and, and honestly the way i look at i'm okay if a team wants to retaliate because you, you're defending your teammates i get that but you do it in the same series if the, the, this happened on saturday they had another game on sunday and pat Valeka got hit by a pitch after a severino home run that's the day you retaliate you know what I mean? You don't do it a Well, there's a there's you an old expression in there's an old expression in in life that uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. Is that you do it when the emotions are down. You just remind the people, hey, we know what you did, and we were capable of responding. But I think in this case, there's no need to respond because Major League Baseball immediately handled it the correct way. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't always the case. You know, a lot of times they didn't throw the pitcher out of games. You know, now they're much quicker to take take picture pitchers out of the game. And I thought it was great that MLB came out the next day and suspended this guy for five days. Yeah, five they, days. They certainly did the right thing, Stan. We've run a little long here. We got to get All a right. break, but we'll talk great to you next week. Great to talk weekend. to you. All as right, always. guys. Bye. And that was Stan the Fan Charles joining us in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio on the line, as he does every week. And I just want to remind you that Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Although I don't know how much longer that's going to be the case. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Aberdeen Ironbirds General Manager Jack Graham, while Stan and Gary had a special sports business summit with Professor Marty Conway and longtime pro sports exec Andy Dolich. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up on Monday, Stan and Ross welcome former Orioles manager Dave Trembley. Dave Trembley, man, the, the day that they announced 
that he was gonna that they were removing the interim tag to make him the manager, the full time manager of the Orioles. Mm-hmm. The Orioles went out and lost thirty to three. Wow. The, the, that, oh, that, that was the Texas Rangers game, yeah, right? That yeah. Was, yeah. They, and that was the first game of a doubleheader. What? Yeah. Anyway, Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C three American Exteriors. Find them at C three America and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. When we come back from our first break, we're going to take a look down on the farm. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, Joe. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Here it watch out. Oh, 
for the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate UFC fight night experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. Watch Dustin Poirier take on the former champion, Conor McGregor, and get the ringside feeling with our state-of-the-art AV system and stadium seating. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Tickets now on sale for UFC 264 at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I'm Paul Valley, and this is my co-host, Zach Goodman. Uh, this is a segment that we're doing, and we're calling it Down on the Farm, which is basically, it's not really like a, a unique name. People use this <laughs> term all the time. But we didn't book a second guest, and this was actually my plan, basically, since the Orioles made all their moves last Sunday. Yep. Um, I decided we were only going to book uh, two guests for today because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, right. Definitely. Uh, Orioles, they promoted 10 players in the minors last Sunday. Uh, infielder Yorkus Landy Alvarez and outfielder Lamar Sparks were promoted to Delmarva. Um, shortstop third baseman Gunnar Henderson, this is the big one. Uh, and outfielders Trevor, K- Trevor Kays? Keys? Trevor Keys, I don't Tre- know. Trevor Keys and Dylan Harris from Delmarva to Aberdeen. Uh, Gunnar Henderson getting to join Jordan Westberg up in Aberdeen after That's absolutely cool. Cool. dominating. Uh, Delmarva, the, yeah. the, the low A. It's funny that Trevor Keyes was harder for me than Yorkus Landy Alvarez, <laughs> by the way. But um, uh, then could right, be, could be Keyes. I don't know. Eh, who, who knows? Or Keyes? I don't know. <laughs> right, right-handed pit, pitcher Kyle Brenovich, infielder Toby Welk, and outfielder Kyle Stowers moved from Aberdeen to Bowie. And then outfielder yeah. Yusniel Diaz, he completed his rehab assignment and returned to Norfolk. And infielder J.C. Escar was promoted to from Bowie to Norfolk. So a lot of promotions. Last ten. Ten promotions last right. week. Right. Michael Elias said a few weeks ago that a, a few big things were coming, um, and this was clearly it. This is obviously a, a multitude of moves here. The mo- the one I'm actually most excited about, besides uh, Gunnar Henderson, I think that's kind of the headliner move, but J.C. Ascara going to Norfolk. Like, J.C. Ascara is legitimately very close to the majors. He is very close. Um, I saw him a he's ton. He's a first baseman, right? He's a first baseman, yep. yeah. Um, I saw him a ton in Aberdeen when he won Aberdeen MVP in 2018. He was there, hit like 330. He was a stud. Um, I, I think everyone knew you know, at Aberdeen, when I was working there, we were all like, yeah, this guy's the real deal. This guy is um, 100% a hitter. He, he plays a pretty good first base, not amazing. But J.C. Ascara is a guy that I look at and I'm like, this is potentially the future first baseman of the Orioles. The Orioles don't have a guy locked down at the future. If Trey Mancini's traded, Ryan Mountcastle, he's, he's a DH. So J.C. Ascara being so close and getting to Norfolk now, 
he is a real stud, and I, I'm I'm very excited to see him. And he's not that far off. He could be a September call up at this point. Yeah, that, that's that's actually exciting. I, I don't know too much about JC Escar. I've been so he just hits on like the, he, on the everywhere guys. he goes. Another guy who just hits everywhere he goes is Johnny Riser. Yeah, that yeah. guy, that guy, and Toby Welk. Toby Welk was a 21st round draft yep, pick in 2019 of, out of a out of a Division three school where right. he absolutely dominated. Right, he, he, hit, the, hit 430 or something. There's like no that. reason that dude was playing Division three baseball. Yeah, I know, but he. He's come up and he has. He still holds the all-time single-season batting record for Aberdeen. Uh, he was. He had a little bit of a slump there for, for um, to drop his average to about two seventy in Aberdeen. But he gets promoted to Bowie. He homered last night. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, I like Toby Welk. I I had him on my podcast a couple of years ago. And really, I did too. Really nice guy. Cool to talk to and. He's a he's a good ball player. Some guys just he play. Is. I mean, Mike Piazza was like a 369th round draft pick, and he ended up winning an MVP award and the Rookie of the Year. I don't know if Piazza ever won an MVP, but he was Rookie of the Year, and he's a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? So yep. it's yep. you don't have to be a first round, second round, fifth round no, draft pick no, no, to no. have a great career. And Toby Welk could be well on his way there. Now, uh, as far as the games last night, Norfolk defeated Gwinnett six to two. Kyle Bradish. Five innings pitched, three hits, two runs, ten strikeouts. He's rounding in the form there at Norfolk. Uh, and he's actually pitched pretty well most of the time down there. Yes, Neil Diaz, he upped his batting average to 289 with a 3-for-4 performance, including his second home run of the season. Ryan McKenna hit his sixth home run. He's batting about 267 down there for Norfolk. He's having a nice a nice minor league season yeah. down there. Uh, Jemai Jones, he went 0-for-4, but he did walk. And he has now reached base in 22 of his 23 games played this year between Bowie and... Um, and Norfolk, so that's a guy who I think we could see sooner rather than maybe. It's got to be coming. Maybe, maybe be. right after the All Star break, I think we might see Jemai Jones playing second base for the Orioles every day. Uh, Bowie, they lost the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. I don't know what a Fisher Cat is, but that's cool. Um, they lost ten to eight. They were down ten to nothing at one point in that game, so they made a valiant effort, but it was their seventh straight loss. Adley Rutschman went two for four and drew another walk, his thirty eighth of the season as compared to thirty four strikeouts. His average is up to two ninety two. All world, man. That, that, that's got to be the most impressive thing. Thirty-eight to thirty-four walks that, to that's strikeouts. In, it walks to strike. That's incredible. I mean, that is not any. I mean, if he carries that over to the majors, his on-base percentage will be, you know, four fifty. I mean, it, something like that. It, it'd be it'd be nuts. Well, um, we, and I'm excited for that. We had Kyle Glazer on last week, and he said yep. that, that Adley Rutschman is a generational talent. Yes, and that he might be. He he, he probably. He, I I don't want to. Somebody put out a tweet who listens to our show, and they incorrectly quoted him as saying he's going to be the best player to ever wear an Orioles uniform. That's yes. not what he said. Um, he said could be one of said, the best he, players. He said he could be one of the best players to ever wear an Orioles uniform. Right. Uh, the, the generational talent. That's yes. Adley Rutschman. And God, I can't wait, man. I, he's He and Grayson Rodriguez, and I think D.L. Hall may be a step or two behind them right now because he's been shut down because of the elbow tendonitis. Which I'm concerned about slightly, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But uh, but here's the other thing, and so uh, and I'm glad somebody said they. He was on a show on 105.7. Um, it was a doctor who said that every baseball player gets elbow tendonitis. Yeah, I have elbow tendonitis. Yeah, sure. You sure, know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. Every baseball player gets elbow tendonitis. It, it's it's it just happens. Um, 
I'm not too concerned that it's going to be a long-lasting thing. What I was more concerned about is that it was bad enough for him to be shut down after just like 50 innings. Right, and now he hasn't thrown enough innings. And, you know, if you look at his previous years, he hasn't thrown a lot of innings in those either. And we talked about that on the last show pretty extensively. But right. I do, you know, I, I do hope D.L. Hall gets back soon because they, they need him to be on a, a fast progression track. Well, and, and, and that's and that's a thing, right? Whereas before the elbow tonight, I'm thinking, oh, he could come out of spring training in the Orioles rotation next year. Now, I, yeah, I, no, I'm looking yeah. at him being more so a midseason call-up, if that, if he's shut down for an extended period. But I think that sooner rather than later, you're going to see Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman at AAA. Uh, right. uh, Especially we, Adley. We could be yeah. talking right after the All-Star break, if not before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing. You, you say especially Adley, they're not going to move him without moving the other guys. That, I, would, that, would, be, that would be smart for Grayson to, to get him to pitch to Adley every time. I'm it convinced. just makes sense. I'm convinced that, you're probably of right. it, you're that, probably right. that they're not going to move him without moving. And that, that might be a reason enough for DL to go with him. Because Dial, he's had an up and down. St- uh, he's had a rocky start here and there, but for the most part, he's been dominant. Yeah, at, at double. And I'd love for Adley Rutschman to be able to catch Kyle Bradish as well up in AAA. That would be nice if they could get him up there. And Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith, right? Yeah. Who were two pieces? Two pieces that I, and, I, have, I have a ton of confidence in. And 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 not to mention the fact, and I don't think you can understate this. Um, you have Brett Cumberland catching yeah. at Norfolk, who is a poor defender. He's a he's a poor defender, yeah. and I don't think it's any. Um, coincidence that he's a poor defensive catcher and you have Zach Lowther having his worst season, Alexander yeah. Wells having his yeah. worst season, uh, Dean Kramer having his worst season at the minor league level. I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, and, and that's nothing against Brett Cumberland. He's a young guy and he's still room for improvement. He hasn't been in the organization all that long, hasn't been in pro ball all that long. Uh, but I'd be interested to see Adley Rutschman get to AAA yeah. and see how the pitching staff improves. I, I mean, we see it in the major league level every single night that catching can really change everything that a pitcher does. Mm-hmm. You look at what Pedro Severino does, and he's horrible. You know, I, we, 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 we've talked about this over and over. Yeah. But it, just for example here, Pedro Severino does not do any favors to this young pitching staff. He doesn't. It's simple fact. Adley Rutschman would be so impactful with, number one, the pitches he calls, but number two, the framing and receiving that he does because he's that excellent, a framer and receiver. He knows how to catch the baseball. He knows how to throw runners out. He's a complete backstop behind the plate, and that they need that. You know, it, we're, we, we talked about Pedro Severino you know, possibly being an all-star in 2020 if he, if he had... You know, uh, if there had been an all-star game in 2020 and he had kept hitting the way he was, but Pedro Severino is... Only the bridge player to what is coming to be, like you said, could be a generational talent, one of the best players in the Orioles organization. Yeah. So it's it's just waiting for Rutschman and what he does for these pitchers. He's so impactful. Isn't Pedro Severino and Adley Rutschman, isn't this a microcosm of the Orioles as, yeah, a, as it a whole? Is. It as is. As we're watching this team and, and how am I going to get through this game? Yeah. How am I going to yeah. watch this game uh, as they're losing 13 to nothing? And then you think about, all right, well. And it's like, all right, well, once... We get through this. Right. That's when we reap the fruits of of, of, of this rebuild. They're such polar opposites as catchers. And, such and polar opposites. It's Pedro Severino. How is he batting fourth today? How is he catching? <laughs> How does he keep handling a pitching staff day in and day out being as bad as he is? And it's like, ah, oh, but then there's Adley Rutschman. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I, I, I do. I, I, I would. Ah. Adley <laughs> Rutschman. <laughs> Hart was playing in the car on the way in, and it uh-huh. was these dreams. Yeah. He says... Uh, these dreams, are, I, it, every moment of the night, I live another life. <laughs> okay. Right? 
And that's how it feels about Adley, yeah, Adley yeah. Rutschman. Every moment of the night, I live another life. Well, and I'm you, thinking about Adley Rutschman. I'm dreaming about him being in an Orioles uniform. You, you see Matt Harvey go out there, and you're like, all right, well, we have Grayson Rodriguez to look forward to instead of this. Yeah. So, you know, the brighter days are coming, but when you look at the present as it is, it's very hard to watch. But you, you watch the minors, and you see what's coming. And we're going to get to that in Orioles banter yep. coming up next. Yep. But let's uh, d- continue with Bowie. Again, they lost 10-8. Rutschman, 2-4, drew a walk, uh, batting two ninety two. Patrick Dorian hit his ninth home run in a two-hit performance. He had really struggled for about a month there. His batting average yeah, dropped down yep. into the 230s, but it's back up over 260. He has, has a nice little streak The going. power stayed consistent, though. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Toby, welcome Kyle Stowers. You mentioned how they just got promoted. Each of them hit their first buoy, uh, their first buoy home runs in the loss. Michael Ballman, man, lit up again. Yeah, lit up again. Yeah, have to uh, think he's not one hundred percent. He can't be. Yeah, he. Th- they might want to just shut him down. Uh, look, he's not going to make a difference for the Orioles this year. No. Shut him down. No. Get him healthy. Get him right. You know, uh, he allowed seven runs, six earned on three hits, including two home runs and three walks and just two-thirds of an inning pitched. Um, Aberdeen, they lost to the Rome Braves 3-2. to two. Drew Rom pitched six innings and one-run ball with seven Ks. J.D. Mundy and Maverick Hanley each doubled in the loss. Gunnar Henderson, he did not play, uh, and he still hit list in his first three games, but he has walked six times in three games. I was thinking about trying to go to the game tomorrow. The, uh-huh. the best seats... In Aberdeen are, or, yeah, or in, in, in Aberdeen. Okay. Uh, the best seats in Aberdeen tomorrow are only 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. It's not you, bad. you know, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm debating it. I'm... I'm uh, I'm making less money now than I have in the past because of the new job that I took. It, mm-hmm. You have to take a step back to, to you have to learn to uh, crawl before you can learn to walk type sure. of thing. Um, so I'm debating it, but I might I might have to go. I might have to go. The game's at two oh five. See Gunnar Henderson and, and Jordan Westberg play. That that would be yeah. something cool. Um, Delmarva they defeated the Fredericksburg Nationals six to three. TT uh, Bowens homered and drove in four. York Islandi Alvarez two for four. The double and two RBIs. Pitching in relief, Ryan Watson, he tossed five scoreless innings. He struck out seven, and he lowered his ERA to 123. That's wow. a guy uh, worth keeping an eye on, having a nice season down there for Del Marvin. As they said they were going to do, they've been piggybacking starters, so Ryan Watson's a guy uh, that we need to keep an eye on. Um, as I said, I've, I've reached a point. Like, look, I still care. When the Orioles lose a game 9 nothing. I'm embarrassed. I Like, it hurts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I... I I'm basically done with the Major League roster as it stands right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, like I said, I still watch. I still hope they win games. But when they right. lose, like, I, I don't care. I'm kind of paying half attention when I watch now. I kind of just do something else while I'm watching. Because yeah, I just and, don't really want to sit and watch this team. Yeah, it's and, and that's brutal. how it goes because they're just so bad. But with that in mind, there are a number of players I want to see that could regain my attention. Because right now, all my attention is on the minors. Uh, that, that's where all, all the fun is. Um, some of these moves. Alexander Wells was one of them. Yeah. I think that he will have more success at the major league level than he does than he did at AAA. Uh, he had some good starts. He hasn't walked a guy in like a month down there, but he he had. He was also injured when he started, so yeah. um, you know he might he might. I, I'm not. I don't have super high hopes for him because you know he throws so slow. And but he, he he's got pitch have, ability. He does have pitch and, ability, and, and he knows he's, how he's to like a, a way more advanced Tom Eshelman. Yeah, very it, similar. I, I, I think that there's a that, that Alex Wells. Now he may have just been brought up for a cup of coffee because we'll he always need to get yeah. through this road this road trip. Um, and he's not slated. To, he might start in that Houston series, but he's not slated to start in the next few right, days. Right, right. Um, so. I I like that move. Give me Jemai Jones at second base and give me Domingo yeah. Leyva yeah. at third. And, and yep. maybe maybe I can wait till the, after the All-Star break, but I'm basically done with Mike Franco. I, 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 he had 278 with eight home runs last year, right? And I'm Which like, is unbelievably in, good. In, in 60 games. Right. And I'm like, all right, if that's the player they're getting, I'm cool with it. Right. He's hitting 210. 
Right. His own base percentage is two fifty three. It's not even the two ten. It's the two fifty three on base for me that, yeah. that really bothers me. That he, is it, terrible. And, and he comes up and yeah, he has thirty eight RBIs and he might drive in eighty this year. But I feel like more often than not recently, he comes up with with guys on first I, and second and just rolls over. I haven't seen or pop up. He's right. been popping up a ton. I haven't seen him get. I, I was telling you this before the show, and I don't know the exact number of this, but it's been a long time since he's had a, a hit with runner in scoring position. Yeah, it's I, been I, a I, long time. I don't trust him. No, to, uh, he hit that two run homer that ended the shutout and the no right, hitter on Monday night. But other than that, man, I just don't. I, I don't trust him to get the job done. And it's like he looks like he has no confidence either. He's another guy that I don't like. It really, you look him at the plate, and he's just kind of. You know, walking up there, looking around, like it doesn't look like he's like locked the, in. The crazy thing about Mike Hoffer, I didn't realize this until he joined the Orioles. He's a big, muscular guy. Yeah, oh yeah, he's he's, got, a, he's massive. He's a muscular dude. He looks imposing, but he's not. He does, yeah, but he's yeah, not. Exactly. You know, I, I, yeah. And, and the best thing that he can do for himself right now is get hot for the next six weeks. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to get traded to a contender, when, when I don't know was, what, what contender would want. When him he was batting two fifty. And driving in runs and playing decent defense back in April. I'm That's like, your I, trade chip. I was like, okay, this, yeah. I like yeah. this. I can get on board with this. But ever since then, man, it hasn't been good. I I don't care how. I don't get. I don't care how. Just get rid of him. Uh, uh, like like thank you, but you know, I'd rather see a guy like Domingo Leyva get an extended look at third base and see what you have in him. Right, uh, Domingo Leyva is only twenty five years old. Right, there's I'd so much. See, I'd rather and, and to that to that point. Michael Franco is only what 28? 28, yeah, right, yeah. But uh, there but is more. There's a higher ceiling. He's been in the league for eight years with Leba. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, at this point, and it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> because uh, Michael Franco was a top prospect. Um, Franco right now has compiled a negative 1.0 war, yeah, yeah, I'm, which I'm, is I'm, horrible. Yeah, like, like horrible. That's Chris Davis level bad. Rio Ruiz could have gotten his batting average up to 210. With with similar power, maybe Rio Ruiz is actually having a lot of success in in, in uh, the Colorado system right now. He's hitting like two eighty seven or something like that. Rio, Last... Rio Ruiz always has success at the minor league level. He's he does. A, he's, he's, a, a, he's a four A player. He's a four A yeah, player. Yeah. Um, Not saying I want to bring him back or anything. Don't and, and, and here's the other thing: place Anthony Santander on the DL. Get his ankle yes. fully healthy. This you can't come back yes. from that. I've, I've had those types of ankle injuries. You're not running full speed for two and a half, three months. During the break, I just watched him running around third base again on that Austin Hayes hit. He is literally hobbling every step of the way put, down that line. Put him on the DL and call up Justin Diaz. Yes, it's the it's Diaz time. Like it's you, Diaz time. You need to see what you have in this guy. It, it's he's about been, time. He's been hot this past week since going back up to Norfolk on Sunday. He had three hits last night. The average is up from like 205 to 289. Yeah. I'm as frustrated with Diaz as anyone from not being able to stay on the field. Right. But you have to admit that Ryan McKenna probably not going to hit a lot at the majors. So if you He's wanna, a fourth outfielder. Right. He's a four, he's another maybe 4A player, maybe a little bit better than that. He's a, he's a defensive guy who's not going to hit a ton. But Yusnel Diaz has an incredibly high ceiling if he can stay healthy, and that's always been the, the, the thing on him. Um it's time. Diaz has been in this organization for three years now, um, and he hasn't yet made a major league debut. I, I don't think there's any better time than right now to place Santander in the IL and just bring this guy up and let him play. See what he's got. I mean, you, you really yeah. don't and have the, anything the to The time lose. is now, especially with Santander ho- hobbled. Put and, him on and, the DL, get him right. right now. Diaz it, is hot. Yeah. If, if, you, uh, put DL, if you put Santander on the IL right now, yeah. you have basically two weeks. Right. Of him on the IL, right. and then you also Probably have, more. and then you also have the All Star break right after that. Right, and then give him a chance to get healthy. I know that he was your best player the last couple of seasons, and you need him in your lineup. He's not doing you any good. 
being hurt. I mean, is it wild to you that, that UCL Diaz hasn't made his debut yet? Yes. It just seems ridiculous. Yes. The it's fact ridiculous. That, that, he was, that he was traded here for Manny Machado in 2018, it's 2021, right. mid, it's mid-2021 and he's still right. not here, That's that that's, that can't happen. We got we really got to get a break here. Um, yeah, and then finally get rid of Matt Harvey and call up uh, either Kyle Bradish or Kevin Smith yes. or both. Yes. Uh, anyway, we got to get a break when we come back to playoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's champion. 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the Battle Round, coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I just want to remind you guys that coming up tomorrow, June 27th, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota. You can meet Justin Tucker. Plus, there's live music from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth during the day, and a corn a cornhole tournament, <laughs> dunk tank, food trucks, and more. The event itself is free and benefits the the Brigance Brigade. But you need tickets for the meet and greet with Justin Tucker, and you can get those right now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. We'll see you tomorrow at Jerry's Toyota for Tucker Fest, benefiting the Brigance Brigade. And with that in mind, the cynical version of the of the uh, the, the, the cynical pitch. version of the payoff pitch around the league. The Orioles scored four runs in the eighth, capped by a two-run double by Austin Hayes to tie the game at five. And then Trent Thornton walked three batters in the tenth, including Pat Vileka with the bases loaded. As the Orioles snapped a 20-game road losing streak and six-game losing streak overall, with a six-to-five win over Toronto in Buffalo. Willie Adamas had three hits, including a two-run game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth, and then Ke- and then uh, Keston Hira walked off Colorado with a sack fly in the bottom of the eleventh. One of the most boring ways to walk off a team <laughs> as the Brewers beat the Rockies five to four. Aaron Nola tied a major league record with ten straight K's at one point and struck out twelve over five in the third innings. But the Phillies couldn't muster more than one run against Taiwan Walker and company. And Dominic Smith singled home Francisco Lindor in the eighth inning as the Mets walked off the Phillies two to one in Game One of a doubleheader. In Game Two, in an attempt to put all of their fans to sleep, the Mets and Phillies played to another two to one final again in eight innings, which is considered extra innings. Though this time the Phillies were on the winning end. Bryce Harper homered for the Phillies in the win. Also a reminder: eight inning ball game should never be considered extra innings. And the seven-inning doubleheader is the worst role in all of professional sports. I will 100% die on this hill. Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon each homer, but the Rays, despite a bullpen game and no extra base hits, somehow managed to win this game 4-3. I bet if we looked it up, the Rays would have more wins in which they employed an opener and did literally nothing exciting on offense than any team in baseball over the last decade by a wide margin. Sounds like a team that needs Trey Mancini uh, to me. How do teams continue to let them get away with this? It, like, like, yeah, I, I don't. The lineup is legitimately not very good. They, at all. they, they uh, well, now with Franco, now with Franco, sure, and a Rosa Reina, and Brandon Lau's having a nice year. And sounds so, like a team that so needs Trey Mancini. Yeah, it, it does. Of note, Mike Trout has no return date uh, since they were playing the Angels. Has no return date and isn't doing any running or baseball related mm. activity. Yet is the leading vote getter in center field in the All Star game, despite not having played a game since mid May. Meanwhile, Cedric Mullins, who will be in the MVP race if he was any on any winning team or in any large market, yeah. is not. Ninth in voting. Fans suck. Despicable. It it's is. despicable. Xander Bogarts and Hunter Renfro each drove in two runs for the Red Sox to lead Boston to a 5-3 win over the Yankees in a game that ESPN wants you to believe still matters to anybody outside of Boston and New York. 17 years after these two teams' last formidable matchup, 
2018 ALDS notwithstanding, which the Red Sox won three games to one. Sidebar, perhaps the Yankees' disappointing season thus far is karma from the baseball gods for still employing known woman beaters and pieces of human garbage to roll this Chapman and Domingo Herman, the latter taking the loss in the game. I told you it was my cynical. This is getting worse and worse as we go through it. It's getting more, I, more and more cynical. I, 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 I thought about this after mm-hmm. I wrote it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving it in because the Why world not? needs Why to not? know that these guys are garbage. Yeah. They're, they're absolute trash. You lay your hands on a woman, you're a piece Why of garbage, not? and I'm not going to pull any punches. And apparently neither do they. Uh, Drew Smiley tossed <laughs> six solid innings and one run ball, and Dansby, while Dansby Swanson and Guillermo Heredia each chipped in solo home runs to lead the Braves over the Reds 3-2. to two. Garrett Cooper, Adam Duvall, and Miguel Rojas combined for seven hits, four for extra bases, seven RBIs, and eight runs as the Marlins crushed the Nationals 11-2. Kyle Schwerber homered for the 13th time in his last 14 games for D.C. in the loss. What an incredible run. He's yeah, he's been going off. The Rangers, 5-9 through nine hitters combined for 11 hits, 7 RBIs, and 7 runs to lead Texas over the Royals 9-4. That's the only interesting fact I could find about that game. Uh, Luis Arreyes doubled and tripled twice while driving in 3 as the Twins took down Cleveland in a nail-biter 8-7. The Indians hit 4 homers in the loss. Five Mariners batters registered multi-hit games, and every starter had at least one hit, including a two-homer performance by, Lu- by Luis uh, Terenz as the Mariners routed the White Sox 9-3. to We are still waiting on word from Tony La Russa on how his team gave up nine runs to that Mariners offense. <laughs> also, Yasmani Grandal's 175 average pimped the hell out of a home run in this game, which is like bat-flipping a single. Cabrian Hayes had two hits in an RBI in the Pittsburgh bullpen tossed four shutout innings, allowing just one hit to pick up a win over the Cardinals 5-4. Nolan Arenado homered, walked three times, and reached base all five times in the loss. Paul Goldschmidt, man, 0-5, batting average down to 238. He's done. He's He's like Joey Votto five years early. Yeah. Yeah, really fell off. Yeah. In the Bay Bridge series, the Giants got seven shot innings from Johnny Cueto to take down Oakland 2 to nothing, And Sean Manaya, he gave up just one run over six solid innings but took the loss for the Athletics. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. homered three times in the first four innings and drove in four as the Padres handled the D-backs 11-5. The loss extended Arizona's Major League record road losing streak to 24 games. And finally, A.J. Pollock and Max Muncy each hit Eighth inning, two-run homers to break a 2-2 tie and lead the Dodgers over the Cubs 6-2. The Astros and Tigers were rained out, and they will play a doubleheader later today. And speaking of which, what are we looking at today across Major League Baseball? All right, 1 p.m., we have Game 1 of a doubleheader. The Astros there in Detroit. Casey Mize, the former number 1 pick, takes on Framber Valdez. At 2 p.m., the Indians, they'll visit Target Field to take on the underperforming Minnesota Twins. The Mariners, Logan Gilbert, he'll battle the ace Lance Lynn in Chicago. The Pirates, they're up against the veteran Adam Wainwright as he looks to pick up his sixth win of the season. At 3 p.m., the only 3 p.m. game today, it's Keegan Aiken and the O's against Yoon Ryu and the Blue Jays. Uh, 4 p.m., Kyle Gibson looks to keep dealing as he takes the hill against the Royals. The Mets will host the Phillies and Queens as the future legend Jacob deGrom toes the rubber. Uh, former Oriole Alex Cobb takes on Shane McClanahan under the lights at the Trop. Uh, the Rockies will battle the Brewers as the Brewers look to stay in first place in their division. Ian Anderson and the Braves battle the Reds and Luis Castillo, who somehow already has 10 losses on the on the uh, docket this year for him. In the NL East, two struggling teams in the Nats and the Marlins will face off. At 6 p.m., game two of the Astros and Tigers doubleheader. Uh, at 7 p.m., the Cubs face the nine-win Julio Urias, who's been absolutely fantastic this year. A classic rivalry, which you said no one cares about anymore, but I guess some people still do. Uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox as Montgomery faces off against Evaldi. Uh, 10 p.m., another classic matchup, like you just said, the Bay Bridge series of the Giants and the Athletics. And then finally, in the NL West, the Padres will go against the league-worst Diamondbacks. Kind of just seems unfair at this point, but the Diamondbacks will play the Padres once again. It seems unfair that the 
Orioles are arguably the worst team I've ever seen in Baltimore, yeah. and they're not the worst team in baseball. Yeah, like that's yeah. not even—it's not fair. Like, it, no. like we can't—we don't even have a silver lining. And we saw what happened the last time the Orioles had the number two overall pick in the draft. They went under slot, and that guy still hasn't stepped foot on the baseball yeah. field. Yeah. So, uh, damn you, Arizona, get hot, <laughs> get hot. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, and speaking of which, Orioles banter. This one's entitled "This Team Is Terrible." Um, like I just said, this might be the worst team I've ever seen. It's very bad in, in Baltimore. I saw four and thirty-two to end the twenty, the two thousand two season. I saw forty-seven and one hundred fifteen in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I saw fifty-four and one hundred eight the very next season. <coughs> Excuse me. It's bad. This team is it, very, very. They're bad. awful, man. And look, I get it. And we're going to talk about this at length with Glenn Clark here in a matter of a few minutes. It's a rebuild. They're supposed to be bad. Right. But there's a limit, man. I mean, there's there's a limit. And right? There has to be. There are certain ways they could make the team better that we've just went over that they haven't done. And I don't know why they haven't done them. But there are certain ways to make this team better. Number one, getting Michael Franco off this team. Number two, getting Stevie Wilkerson off this team. Number three, getting Pat Vileka off this team. Number four, getting Matt Harvey. I mean, you could go on and on about the guys that have no business being on this team anymore. Uh, Matt Harvey's still allowed to start, man. And he, he was okay last night. Yeah, was, I'll take that every he time. Was, he was really good for Matt Harvey last right, night. Right, That That was a fine start for anyone. But for Matt Harvey, that was amazing. Yeah. That's what you want out of him. Yeah. Uh, Dean Kramer can't say in the big leagues. He, he was supposed right. to be there, like you said at the beginning of the show, he's supposed to be the number two starter. Number two. He can't say in the big leagues because he can't throw strikes consistently. Right. He has glimpses where you're like, oh, my God, man, this guy's going to be really right. good. He'll rip off a nasty curveball or a nasty cutter to get someone swinging, and then he'll be like, you know, I'm just going to throw the next fastball right down the middle at 92. That, that'll uh, work. You or know. in the case of the other night, I'm going to go 3-2 to four straight hitters, walk them all, then I'm going to give up a grand slam, then I'm going to walk the next guy. You know, uh, it's just... He has been incredibly frustrating as far as rookies go because you know he's better and he just has to change something, maybe get out of his own head. I don't know. Something's got to happen because he's he's better than this, he's supposed to be better than this, and I think he will be. But the guy, like we said, he just needs a confidence booster. They have four everyday players on their roster right now with an OBP above 300 and only two above 304. Michael Franco has a 253 on base percentage. I'm done. I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm, I, like, no, no redeeming qualities anymore. It, it's, 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 it's over. It just, it, it, come on. Uh, nobody wants to say this out loud, man. And I'm, I'm like debating whether I should or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Trey Mancini's having a decent. He's not having an All Star season. Not quite. Not quite. He's he's, he's been fine, but he as as of recently, he's, and, and in the month of June, he's been dude up and down. Not great. Um, I t- think there's a lot of of improvement that could be had. I, I think he had a great May, but April and June he's, he's, he struggled. He had a he was bad in April. He's been bad in June. Yeah. He had a four week stretch from the end of April through the end of June uh, through the end of May where he was on fire, and that's it. Right. Two thirds yeah. of his season have have been not good. Yeah. Um, and, and I love Trey Mancini, and I have no doubts he's going to turn around. And 260, 14 homers, 50, still fine. 52 still RBIs. Fine. It's a good season. It's not an all-star season, but he's going to be there. Fair enough. The, he is, yeah. He's going to be there. We, we know he is. Again, we're going to talk about that with Glenn Clark here in a few minutes. Uh, but he's batting 143 the last seven games, 193 his last 15 games, and 228 in his last 30 games. I want to see him, I want to see him there as much as, I, as, much as anybody, right. and I, ultimately I think he will be. But he has as many four strikeout games as two homer games. Wow, that's the, a lot. Yeah, the, the, he has two of each. Like, that's not Trey Mancini. That's not Trey Mancini. And, and I don't know if they're like, oh man, there's nobody else on this team that 
we have to worry about so we don't have to pitch to Trey Mancini the way we normally would. Right. I mean, maybe Ryan Mountcastle has been hot, but yeah. Cedric Mullins has been, who's been hot. But, yeah, but other but, than but, that... But Mullins hits in front of Mancini. Right, exactly. Right. right. You're right. And, and Mountcastle, he's been better recently, but he's proven you don't necessarily have to throw him strikes to get him out. Yeah, that's true. You know? If you throw him down on the way slider, he's almost for sure going to swing and miss at it. Yeah. It's just a, a sad fact. Yeah, or or a fastball up in the zone. Yep. He, yep. he swings at him. He doesn't hit him. Yep. He, he's like Kit in a league of their own. Um, biggest trade chips are Mancini, Santander, and John Means. They're all either underperforming, injured, or in Tony Tater's case, both. Uh, Freddie Galvis is 246 average. He may be the most tradable player right now. Uh, look, we know that's really Trey. We know Trey's the most tradable player right now. Right, right. Everything that, that he has. And I did talk to Glenn. He said he's going to come Cut. out a little later. Um but he's playing so poorly last in the last month that it is Freddie Galvis. He, Freddie Galvis is a guy people are going to ask about. They're going to ask about Trey, too. But Freddie Galvis is the only person who's been consistent all year. And that's hard to say when the guy's back in yeah. 246. But he's been this guy he all year. He hasn't had... I mean, he started off the year pretty slow. But I wouldn't say he's had a stretch where you go, Oh, man, I, I hate when Freddie Galvis comes up right. on the plate. In the beginning of the year, maybe. But it was also a very small sample size. It was like 30 at-bats at most. So, no, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think that Galvis has been actually pretty reliable. Like We were talking about it before the show. Freddie Galvis hasn't been all-star quality. But I think he's been what we've expected. Like, I don't think Freddie Galvis has let anybody down from what you expected I'm him not, to be. I'm, I'm not. You basically, you look at Freddie Galvis and Michael Franco, and they're in yeah. the same boat. Yeah. Right? They were brought in on one-year deals as free to agents. Get dealt. In the to office, get dealt. To, to get dealt. And to play every day. Right. I'm done with Michael Franco. Right. Fred, I, I, Freddie I'm, Galvis has been very respectful. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Freddie Galvis on this team next year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a guy with the right pieces around him. He he fills a role right nicely. If if Freddie Galvis is your weak link, you have a good baseball team. Yeah, I mean he's he's arguably the in the top five best hitters on this team, uh, which is says not a lot about what the Orioles are. But Freddie Galvis is a respectable piece. He's not bad. You know, he's Freddie not a Galvis bad player. Is a guy that can turn around in a, a high fastball. He can. He can. He's a, he's a professional hitter. Freddie Galvis knows how to hit the yeah. ball. Um, and he may not. You know, he's never going to hit thirty five home runs in a year. But he and can he's provide not, you. He's never going to hit three hundred. And he's never going to hit three hundred. But he can provide you always a pretty reliable guy offensively and defensively. I, I sometimes criticize his range. I don't think his range is very good. But other than that. I've seen him make some pretty stellar plays. Yeah, he can. He can. He certainly can. Um, he's not perfect, but Freddie Galvis is a fine stopgap for what the Orioles have. I don't think anybody's ever said, man, I want Freddie Galvis off this team. I mean, I don't think anyone said that. He's just, he's he's good enough for what he is. Conversely, I don't think anybody's ever said, man, I really want Freddie Galvis on this team. Agre- I, yeah, I, I mean, for me, just, just now. Right, right. I, I, I don't look at him the same way I looked at Jose but Iglesias. Iglesias was a, was a more quality That, that was a guy yeah. who, I, who I was like, man, you, that guy can bat second. That was a lot of fun. Iglesias yeah. on the 2020 Orioles was a lot of fun. But he's not having, you know, he's not really lighting the world he on fire. Like 275. Yeah, he's been fine. Um, He's actually made some pretty bad defensive plays this year. His really? defense has not been, not been stellar. I've seen some pretty solid plays he's from still, out there, He's too. still a good, he's still a really good he's player. He's a guy who I would have liked to have seen on the Orioles still this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, But they traded him and they got Jemai Jones. So well, if Jemai Jones, yeah. Well, Alex Cobb was the Jemai Jones trade. Oh, that, that's that's right. Who the? Ah, uh, it's it was Garrett Stallings. Garrett Stallings. That's and, right. Uh, maybe I want to John Pinto. Could yeah, be? yeah. Well, John I Pinto. haven't heard anything from him. Yeah, I, I'm gonna do that research. Yeah, fi- right figure now. out what's going on with Pinto because I haven't heard anything from him. But Garrett Stallings, he's been up and down really in the minors, having an. Up I have and no down idea season. if that was actually the person they traded for, but I'm just saying it was. It, it, it might have been. Um. 
Yes, it was John Pinto. Pinto. It yeah, was John Pinto. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I know. The, I knew his last name was Pinto. I wasn't sure that John was his first name, but I, I would have rather seen Iglesias here than. Uh, what are you really looking with? At, looking at with the ceiling for Garrett Stallings? Like, uh, I get it. He was a fifth round pick, and you yeah. liked him in the 2019 draft. But what's his ceiling? Uh, it's not going to be a whole lot. Um, it's going to be maybe a five. But it could also be, you know, a long reliever. I think there's some value there. But I think it, 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 Garrett Stallings is one of those guys that Michael Elias really wanted in the draft. So he pinpointed and, and being able to trade for him. Um, but John Pinto, I don't see anything about John Pinto playing anywhere so far. So uh, looks like the last time John Pinto played Well, he's 18. Was, he's a young dude. Right. right? He, he's very young. He's probably in, on the Gulf Coast team. Born in 2001. So he's probably uh, he's 20 years old now. Um, but he has not been anywhere so far. He's, uh, he's, he's, probably, just, he's probably playing down in the Gulf Coast. He's probably extended spring training until that right. Gulf Coast League starts. That's what I would think. Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I uh, don't be fooled here. Jose Iglesias being traded to the Angels was a salary dump. Right. They, they, right. they picked up a $3.5 million option. They didn't want to pay him $3.5 million. And that's what it comes down to. And, right. and, yeah. And look, if they got a pitcher that, that – um, that Michael Elias probably wanted to take maybe in the seventh round, and the Angels took him in the fifth round. If they got if they get that player, then then that's a bonus for Michael Elias. But it was more so a salary dump of Iglesias than anything else. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And, and you look at this Orioles bullpen, man. And Cole Salser's been solid, Paul Fry too. But he helped blow that game last Saturday game that they should have maybe the worst loss of the year. I'm glad I didn't see the end of that. I was in D.C. and I did not see the end of that, but oh, I, I'm very well, well, thankful I did not see Paul it. Fry somehow forgot how to throw strikes in the ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. they're upset. Well, it's also Brandon Hyde's fault for pitching all of the same guys. He pitched Wells, Tanner Scott, and Paul Fry the night before and then pitched him again yeah. the, the night after. Yeah, but, but Which makes sense it, because they're the only reliable guys. But All, all the other teams do it. Right, true. The, the true. Indians sent out the back of their the exact same back end of their bullpen three games in a row against Baltimore. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Out. You know, so uh, I, I can't fault him for that. I can fault these guys for C- Cesar Valdez is not a big league pitcher. He's on the injury list because his back tightened up on him. This right. dude does not belong on a major league roster. No, no. Not Dylan at all. Tate vastly underperformed. Hunter Harvey's been good but can't stay healthy. Right. So he's been a, he's been a surprise for me because he uh, has he has been better than I expected Hunter Harvey to be. I'm not a Hunter Harvey fan at all. Yeah. Um, but. He's been better than I expected him to be. He hasn't blown up yet. He hasn't have a, had a game where he gives up, you know, four runs or something like that. So he's been respectable up to this point. He really hasn't had a game like that in his big league career. No, he, ha- he hasn't blown up at all. Um, but it's all limited sample size because yeah. he he'll, he'll pitch ten games and then oh he's got arm fatigue. We're gonna shut him down the rest of the season. Right. He'll he'll strain his oblique and be out the first half of the year. Right. What was what was the issue? I think he pitched back to back games for the first time in his career. Right. Last year and it was the last two games of the season. He just hasn't been around long enough to be bad yet. You know. So yeah. He's. I think he's gonna end up being a a solid quality major league reliever, but he's got to stay on the field. He, he's like the Austin Hayes of the bullpen. Yeah, I, I, that's a good comparison. Even you know, I would even say that Hunter Harvey's a more injury prone guy than Austin Hayes. While they're both very injury prone, yeah. Uh, but and, and also, I think the potential of what Hunter Harvey could give you is a little bit less than what uh, than what Austin Hayes can give you at their best. But I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think. Um, but the I title think of the show, the title of the show, um, because there is so much uncertainty with the Orioles. We don't know where they're going. We don't know who the long-term pieces are until they come out and prove themselves. I don't know if Hunter Harvey's one of those guys yet, 
But maybe give them, a, you know, an eighth inning, ninth inning situation at some point. The Orioles have nothing to lose by they, doing they that. They literally they have less than nothing to lose. Yeah, man, because they've yeah. already lost everything. Uh, like as far as the major league team this season, it's just absolutely awful. Hey, look, we got to get Glenn on the we line. We do. Um, while while Zach's doing that, Glenn wrote an article for Press Box the other day on the online edition, um, basically talking about how. Trey Mancini is a virtual lock for the All-Star game. It would be a, a egg on the face, a black eye on Major League Baseball uh, for, for Trey Mancini to not be in the All-Star game considering that they're touting cancer survivors and he's a big story in baseball as far as cancer is concerned. Um, he's going to be at the, at the All-Star game. But Glenn also talked about how Cedric Mullins, who should be the Orioles' representative, there's a chance he could be left out. He's not saying that he will be, but there's a good chance that he There is a chance, that, that he unfortunately, could be. yeah. And with that in mind, we have Glenn, uh, Glenn Clark of Glenn Clark Radio Fame here, at Press Box Sports. We have him on the line right now. First and foremost, Glenn, how are you this morning? I'm great, Paul. Zach, it's great to chat with you guys. Thank you for having me on this morning. Absolutely, it's been been a long time coming. We haven't really talked to you, I think, since the off season on this program. So I was eager to get you on, especially after the article you wrote. Now, now, Glenn, I understand your reasoning. Uh, but for our listeners, please expound on what you're saying about how Cedric Mullins could be lost, left off this all-star team. Because on a winning team, or even in a bigger market, he'd yeah. be in the MVP conversation. Yeah, no doubt. And look, it's a really nuanced take, and those don't always like play well in columns. It's easier to just say, you know, get rid of the DH or whatever in order to get people to understand. And, and to your point, Paul, I appreciate the way that, that clearly you understand what I'm saying. Um, Cedric Mullins, of course, deserves to be an all-star. There's no debate about that. And I think particularly with Buxton getting hurt, it's looking better and better that he's going to make the all-star team. But um, it's not a guarantee. And the reason I was trying to explain that is because I think the priority for baseball is that Trey Mancini needs to be an all-star. And frankly, with all due respect to Cedric Mullins, who's having an amazing season, I think in Baltimore our priority is if we only had one all-star, we would want it to be Trey Mancini for an awful lot of reasons, uh, with the hope that Cedric Mullins would have the opportunity to make more all-star games in the future. Um, This is the reality of, of being a horrendously bad baseball team, and it's the reality of when baseball changed the rules so that every team has to have a representative it, it's not easy. I, I referenced the Tigers, and, and some people could say, well, they could just take Casey Mize, and they could. Like they, that, they could very well be what they do. He's probably the most, actually, Jonathan Scope is probably the most deserving, but um, he's playing at first base, so it's going to make it tough for him to be the choice. Um, but they, a lot of times you get to these, um, these situations where you have other teams, and you need one representative, and somebody knows somebody and wants to say, hey, I'll let that guy be the guy because it's not like there's a good choice to make. And so I put in the example of what if it was Robbie Grossman? And let me make it very clear. Robbie Grossman is in no ways deserving of being an all-star, but he's had a decent little career, and maybe he knows somebody, and when there's no good choices, perhaps um, Kevin Cash knows somebody, and they say, hey, do it for him. It'd be a solid thing to do. And somebody would say, well, on paper, that's, that's insane. Cedric Mullins is way more deserving, but this is the nature of having to have one player from each team and not every team having deserving candidates to make an all-star game. So there is some scenario when only six outfielders are likely to make it, by which Cedric Mullins just isn't one of them. And it's not 
you know, is it a travesty? I guess in in some world, it's a travesty. It's not all that big of a deal, um, and we hope that Cedric Mullins is going to be good for some time. It's just a conversation that I think was warranted because I I think we need to talk about the Trey Mancini thing more and how important it is that Trey Mancini is an all star and why I think that baseball is going to go out of his out of the way to make sure he is. Well, and, and I think that you're correct, and I also think that you're correct, and with the injury to Byron Buxton and Mike Trout, I, yeah. last I checked, is still leading all outfield. And votes, despite having not played since yep. May 18th, he he's not even running right now. He hasn't yep. even begun baseball related activities. He's out for the foreseeable future, no return date. It's looking more and more likely that that Cedric Mullins is going to be an All Star yep. and and deservedly so. But you're absolutely right. If it's one or the other in Baltimore, it's got to be Trey Mancini. And furthermore, do you think Trey Mancini should and do you think he ultimately will take part in the home run derby? I can't fathom, if, you know, him saying he wants to do it. I cannot fathom any reason. Again, this is the other point that I'm trying to make when I have these columns. We all have to remember that this is a TV show. Yeah, like that—that's what this is, and both of these events are. They're TV shows, and baseball needs to make decisions keeping that in mind. It's not, you know, we can we can get up in arms about who's been the better baseball player for nine weeks, but they have to protect their television shows and. It's the reason why they so desperately wanted Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby uh, before he was ready to do it. They, they, they want what's best for a TV show. And if Trey Mancini wants to do the home run derby, it, it's bonkers that they wouldn't put him in. I can't even believe they wouldn't immediately announce it that moment and say, you want in? Great, you're in. Um, yes, 100%. He'll, I, I can't fathom a scenario by which it, they don't have him in the home run derby. And especially with them being on different networks, it gives you one night to talk about his story on ESPN, another night to talk about his story on Fox. Yes, it's a lot of the same audience, but it's not entirely the same audience. Um, It's a no-brainer to me that he would be in the home run derby as baseball does everything they can to present the best product on television for, for a casual viewer that perhaps isn't fully aware. I know it seems crazy that there wouldn't be anybody that was fully aware of Trey Mancini's story, but for those that happen to not be fully aware of it, um, they become more fully aware of it over the course of those two nights. Well, and you have to imagine if the TV execs are doing their jobs, that they would would have some kind of package about Trey Mancini's fight with cancer yep. that they would air before the home run derby and then you had to get people who who maybe yep. not be aware of it, but love the home run derby to make them aware of it and then he's in the home run derby the the ratings sell themselves it, it, it's, yeah, it, it looks like a, it's not Trey Mancini is not gonna his story is great he's not gonna make it the most highly rated home run derby of all no, time or not, something like that but, but it's more interesting than Insert, you know, and I don't even know who the player is, and I'm thinking of, you know, Kyle Schwarber, right? Insert player's name here. It's more compelling than that. No offense to Kyle Schwarber, who's on this unbelievable tear. I mean, it's insane what Kyle Schwarber's doing right now. Um, No offense to him. He's not the story, and he doesn't have the cachet, maybe in Chicago a little bit, but he doesn't have the cachet of of Trey Mancini because of what Trey Mancini has been through. So, to your point, Paul, 100%. I, I... I can't fathom he's not going to be a part. I mean, there's no chance to me that he's not going to be in the All-Star game. I can't fathom he's not going to be in the Home Run Derby either. The moment that he said he was, I, I really can't believe that they just didn't go ahead and announce it because it is a no-brainer of no-brainers to have someone participate that wants to do it and that is going to add something to the television show that you're trying to put together. 
if Trey Mancini were to get in the home run derby, which is obviously a possibility, it could happen, and I, I think it might. Um, but would you be at all concerned about what it could do to a swing? You hear a lot of guys yeah. that, that go in the home run derby, and they come out and they have a really bad second half because they say, oh, you know, I tried to increase my launch angle in the home run derby. I, I was just kind of yep. swinging for the fences. Is there any concern you have there at all, or is Trey Mancini just too good to get in that funk? Yeah, I probably tend to think that, Zach. I've, I've talked about this with Brady Anderson and Eric Davis uh, in the past years, a couple of Orioles that have participated. And I, I, I think at this point, I know this could sound crazy, I think the way that baseball has changed in relation to launch angle, I don't know that it's dramatic as it was once upon a time, what guys are going in there to do. And I'm not, we all know Trey Mancini does not come to the plate swinging for home runs every time. You know, he is a little bit different in being a pure hitter, um, he is not a, a all home run or nothing swinger. Um, but I just, I don't think it's quite as dramatic as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago when, when guys would completely alter what they were looking to do. I, I think there's been enough information that conversation has gone on. And I even think the numbers have started to back that up, that it's not as impactful as it once was. And even when it was more impactful, there were a lot of people that said it was more mental than physical that, you know, it, it I, I, I'm not concerned about it, as I guess what I would say. The other thing I would say is, it, if there was ever a team that it, it wasn't going to kill them, <laughs> if yeah. somebody struggled a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I don't want that for Trey, and you know, there's a whole other conversation about whether the Orioles are looking to try to trade him. I, I don't know how much sense that makes, because I just don't think you can get um, a, a King's Ransom for Trey Mancini, and he's so beloved here. I think he's more valuable here than he is somewhere else. So, I agree. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not all that concerned about it. Now, we were just talking about this, Glenn, in Orioles banter. This may be the worst Orioles team I've ever seen. And that's saying something because there's been a lot of bad Orioles yeah. teams in, in, in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, but the only time I felt this close to just complete and utter despair was in 2002 when they were 63-63 and 63 through 126 oh, games. And, just, and, and they yeah. went 4-32 and 32 yeah. to end the season. That's the only time I felt this close. And 2018, because you didn't see that coming, where does this team rank among the worst teams you've ever seen in Baltimore? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question, Paul. You know, it's funny. I had, we, did the, we ended up doing the entire first hour of yesterday's show about a topic. I, I, had, I, you know, I play in a Thursday night kickball league still to this nice. day. I'm, I'm 37 nice. years old, by the way. And, um, and on Thursday night, I, I saw someone who I hadn't seen in a long time, my buddy Evan, and he, and he said to me, he's like, Glenn, I'm just being honest with you. I wish you were angrier. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's interesting, right? He said, I, I think that you are too dismissive of the anger that a lot of people are feeling about all of this. And you're too matter-of-fact. And everybody knows that's sort of my shtick is I'm very matter-of-fact and very true. pragmatic. Um, and, I, and he said, I think you're missing just how pissed off people are. And I, I, I sat down and, I, we, you know, Kyle and I, and we got a lot of responses to it. We ended up doing about an hour about this topic should I be angrier? And it's not me saying I'm not in the tank. I I'm not trying to guarantee to anybody that this rebuild process is definitely going to work. I don't know that there's a lot of things that I like about it. I sure as hell like Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. And I, I, I think there are good things occurring, but I can't guarantee that. And the step beyond that, I can't guarantee that even if it works, that um, that that means that the organization is going to start doing the right things. Paul, you and I are, have already had conversations. Right. Why hasn't there been proactivity about trying to buy out arbitration years with John Means and starting to do some of the things that you would want to see an organization do when this thing does come to fruition? And yeah. if 
if someone's answer, the reason why they're angry, and this is the conversation that I ended up having on Thursday night and led into the Friday, is, well, let's just say this rebuild does work. How do I know that it's not going to be just a, a blip on the radar and they're going to go right back to being the same organization they've always been for the entirety of my life when those players walk away four years later and they don't have a World Series to show for it? And my answer is, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I can't, I can't tell you that anything's going to change. I, I hope. I mean, it's, I mean I, I'm going to be an Orioles fan because it's where I'm from, and this is a team that I've loved since I was born, but I can't promise you that anything's actually going to change. So if if you're angry, I can't tell you not to be angry. I am – this is the weird part for me, Paul. I am so separated from it. And I, I, I kind of called my shot with you guys before the season. So I'm glad you guys are going to be invested day in and day out because I can't pretend like I'm going to be. I'm not yeah. going to be invested it's in this hard, team day in and day out. I, I, I can't do it. Um, it's why we need you guys, because <laughs> I can't put myself, there, there's no joy that comes from that. I, I had so much joy, guys, watching Vanderbilt, NC State, and boy, yeah, what an awful yeah. story that is. Yeah. But oh the, God, the, yeah. the, first, the first game of the week, that one nothing game, um, the Orioles were in a rain delay, so I flipped over and started watching that. And when the Orioles game came back on, there was zero chance I was going back over to the Orioles game at that point. That game was so good and so compelling, and Jack Leiter on the mound, and Jose Torres and Calvert Hall playing for NC State, and all of it was so interesting to me that I, there's just no way. I can't subject myself to going back and watching the Orioles at that point when there's something that's going to give me more joy. So it's a weird feeling. It, is it, me? it might be. You might be right about this. This might be the worst team, which it specifically is weird because so many of the players, there's three players that are really good. Right. And I would say there have been other Orioles teams that didn't have that. But you know, the lapses, the rundown thing from two weeks ago, which is, you know, one of the most shameful things I've ever seen on a baseball field, all of it, it's, it's, it's horrendous. And it's just left me disassociating myself, just sort of saying, I, I know because of what I do for a living, I'm supposed to watch, but I don't get the sense that the average person in Baltimore is invested night in and night out. And I think I can reflect that in doing my show. I can't be invested night in and night out. It's bad for my mental health. No, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And and to your point, this team, this team does have some some decent talent on it. Yeah, it right. does. To the to the point <laughs> right. where where being thirty games under five hundred shouldn't be a thing. And right. and the fact that it is is what makes me feel like this is the worst team I've ever seen because yeah. they have talent. And they shouldn't be this bad, and yet they are. And yet here I, we are. I think there's a couple things. I don't think any of us could have realized how bad the bullpen was going to be. I get it. It's not like we should have expected it was going to be, you know, at strength. But th- there's been Paul Fry and what else? Right. Um, Tanner Scott's it, been better recently. He has been better. Recently. Okay, that's fair. You're right. Tanner Scott's been better recently, but that was after some serious struggles yeah. to start the and, season. And, and, and Cole Saucer has been respectable um, for, okay. what, for what Cole Saucer is. He's yeah, not, you I mean, know, but, but no, but, but you're right by, by and large, especially, and it's amazing how we were fooled and, and maybe yeah, you weren't, yeah. maybe you weren't Glenn, but how a lot of us, myself included, were fooled by 25 and 35 last year when the Orioles right. started tw- 12 and, right. eight. and also the, bull, the bullpen was a top yeah, I was, 10 I was unit. I was just going to say that the bullpen was a top the, 10. The bullpen was a top 10 unit. We were fooled, yep. you know, and yep. it's, it's seemingly every player not named Cedric Mullins has taken a step back this year. Right. 
right? So, uh, so I think we are all encouraged by what we've seen recently from Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. I, I think we believe that that's a sign that, you know, what we saw at the beginning of the year was not his story and that what we saw last year was closer to his story. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, Trey Mancini is Trey Mancini. And if John Means was healthy, we did, you know, there'd be John Means. Um, and, and somebody would probably throw in a, Hey, we still have to see, uh, John Means pitch, um, post sticky stuff issues. I, that, and that would be a fair thing to say about any pitcher in baseball right now, but I have no reason to think that John Means is going to suddenly not be a very good pitcher. So hopefully when he comes back, that continues to be the case. Look, I, I you know, before the season, I, I definitely thought this was a bad baseball team. I thought it was one of the worst baseball teams, um, in, in all of baseball. I just, because I didn't think they put together a, a roster that was major league worthy, but you know, even by that standard, I'm still surprised by how bad it's been. And I do think that part of it is I, losing does this to you. And and we used to talk about this a lot. And, you know, back when we were on the other station and, and everybody just thought that we hated the Orioles, which for me was sure as hell never the case. Um, losing does this. Even when, you know, you're, you've got a culture and you're, you're doing the right things. And even if Brandon Hyde, let's just say Brandon Hyde's the best manager in all baseball. And I'm not trying to suggest that. But even if he was, and he was preaching all the right things, going to work every day and dealing with this is, is going to affect you in certain ways. And it's going to make it's, – it's hard to show up every day and be as sharp as you need to be in order to do things. And when something like that happened with the rundown a couple weeks ago, that to me isn't as much about – you know, the, the managers lost this team and they're losing fundamentals. It's This is what happens when you lose this much and it just weighs on you and you just sort of forget in moments what you're supposed to be doing because everything sucks. I mean, this is where men, yeah. we have a mental health conversation. You don't want to talk about it, but it, it's no fun. It sucks. It's awful. And it leads to these moments where you just sort of blank on what's going on because the experience is kind of miserable for everybody. And we probably don't get to hear about that as much because we still don't have like reporters back in clubhouses. And so we still don't have someone who might be more willing to be a little bit more candid in the middle of an afternoon about how painful things are. And so for the most part, everybody's putting on a good face and, and, and handling things well, but it, it's not fun. It's not fun to lose. It sucks. It tends to be the type of thing that just sort of spreads throughout a baseball team. And I think you're seeing that right now. And it's, you know, I, look, last night they ended up uh, a, a stirring rally and getting a nice win and breaking the streak. And those are all good things. I have no reason to think it's going to suddenly change the Orioles. Right, right. <laughs> like, I think this is who they are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's losing is very difficult. It's very difficult for everyone, even when you know or practically assume that you're going to be good, bad going in. Well, and now, Glenn, before we get to take to rake, which is what we're yeah. going to close with with you, um, you and I have discussed this, and your your whole thing when we talk is this is what this is what a rebuild is. This is how it mm-hmm. looks, and there's still no guarantee that it's going to work. Yep. Uh, you look at this rebuild, and it hasn't even reached the point where you can truly evaluate the talent on the field. They're really in the beginning stages of seeing who's a keeper on this team for the future. Right. Yep. Um, and you may not have an answer to this question, and that's okay. But when that time comes, where that sw- where they switch the emphasis to wins and on field talent, what happens if they never reach the heights fans are so desperate for? Oh, it's that, I mean that's a ah, boy. The 
I would make a comparison to what's going on with the Philadelphia 76ers right now, but the truth is they're winning. You know, they're just not they're not getting towards a championship, which is what they felt they were promised when they went through it. But that city is ugly. I mean, when they got knocked out of the playoffs, it was ugly. And that's a team that, that won and is relevant and competitive. There's a chance you don't even get that far um, with the rebuild. I I, I don't – boy, I loathe to even think about it, Paul. i got to be honest with you, man. Like, where, do they, where do they go? Do they tear it all down again? Do they start spending I, I, money to get I mean, there? You, what you, do they you, do? You, you would think they probably have to spend money to supplement the talent they do have because you'll, you'll still have guys even if the I, rebuild I think, doesn't work like Rush. Yeah, I think, I think, Zach, at some point if, if, it's not, if it's not working to save face, if Elias is still here – he will have to ask for, to be able to spend some more money right, right. to to try to close the gap a little bit somehow. But, you know, I, I do – and this is the part – again, it's the awkward part that nobody wants to talk about. I do think that we have to be reasonable about how damaging a lost year was yeah. for this yeah. system. Um, it is extraordinarily damaging time-wise for what they are trying to do. Um, it, it's an uncomfortable conversation when we talk about Heston Kerstad because it's it's not – the the the, re, the Orioles rebuild is in no way even remotely um, does it even matter in comparison to Heston Kerstad's health. Right. The health of a human being is far more important than what's going on with the baseball team. But that doesn't mean that having a number two overall pick that perhaps never is able to recut, and we're so far away from that. I hope that's not the case. I, you know, I, I hope that he has not only a healthy life, but he's able to play baseball again and be a player. But you but have like, to discuss could, it. Right. I mean, like that, the impact of that could be seriously damaging um, to what the Orioles are trying to do. And again, none of this... Adley Rutschman might still prove to be a, you know, a, a, a baseball messiah of some sort, but it can't be Adley Rutschman alone. Like, this, this doesn't work if it's just Adley Rutschman. Right. They have to have a bunch of other things work. I, I, it's, it's really, I shudder thinking about it, man. It, it's, it's, it, it's, it's terrifying. But the, I think the reality is this thing is still, Adley Rutschman might be here soon. And by soon, I don't mean like this season. You know what I mean? Like he might be here in the not so distant future, but the idea that that is going to be this thing, the culmination of this thing is, is crazy. They are a ways away from a culmination of this thing. And I keep going back to, there are still no guarantees. They still need more. This becomes a really important, you know, I've had, I had Jordan Lawler on the show this week. And I don't know that they can take a high school player with the fifth pick. I, j- I, I don't think the way they that can. they've, yeah, I think they've structured this thing where it's got to be somebody who's a little bit sooner than that. I don't, and I, and I think Jordan Lawler is a hell of a talent. Um, but I, I don't know that they can do that right now with where they are. I think they've, they've got to start thinking there has to be a timeline. It's what I kept bringing up when we had the John Means conversation, but there has to be a timeline that you think you can pull this off and you'll make decisions right. based on that timeline. And so I think they've got to go with a college player again at number five. Uh, and to, to that point, Glenn, is another season like this, and this is kind of a two-part question, is mm-hmm. another season like this in 2022 acceptable? Or is this one of those things where you're probably going to have Grayson Ooh. Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and Adley Rutschman here at some point next year? I mean, that, yeah. that, the time is some have linked them to Carlos Correa this coming off season. I, yeah. I, I find that highly, and I put highly in all I, caps in my notes, I find that highly unlikely. 
but yep. there, there's the obvious linkage because of, because of Houston Elias. And, and Elias. If they had had 70 wins this year, they might have been a legitimate free agency contender to someone to actually make big moves and make a splash. But what they're going to do this year with 50 wins, not going to be So So then option. to that point, Glenn, is, is 2022, is this type of season 22 – 2022 still acceptable, and do you see them being any kind of player in free agency this offseason? I'm, I'm not talking about a Freddie Galvis type thing. I'm talking about somebody who could be here for a few years. I think we have to define what accept is it acceptable for ownership? Is it acceptable for the fan base? You know, is it acceptable? I, I think another season like this, especially if those guys are here, it, you know, it, it does start to become that even the people that said they were on board with the rebuild start to waver on that, and there's no more walk with Elias, and I, I, I think it's going to be really crumbling. Now, for the organization, I think they can be more practical about the impact, again, of losing a minor league season and, and, and how that might have slowed this down, and I think they might still... I don't think another losing season would guarantee that Elias was gone, or another season like this would guarantee that Elias was gone, right? I don't think that would be the case. I think that they would see that through a little bit longer and um, and try to allow the the Gunnar Hendersons of the world, the Jordan Westbergs of the world, to help fill in the the, the missing pieces in the the year that followed that. But I mean, it would get really painful around here, man. It, it really, especially if those guys if those guys are here. And, and and I guess we have to define that, right? Like, did Adley Rutschman come up, play extraordinarily well, and you know, it, maybe Rodriguez and Hall don't come up until later in the year, and so. It was really bad because the pitching was just so, you know, terrible that there was no overcoming that. And once those guys get here, we start to see the signs. I think there are still ways that that, as bad as that can be, that it could still look more promising and and can make us feel a little bit better when it's all said and done. But it it gets ugly. I mean, it it really is. Those three guys are obviously the first wave of what matters, right? Like, they're the first wave of what really matters in this process. So we have to see them get here. We have to see them succeed. If that's the case, I think the wins and losses are not as significant as those guys succeeding because that's at least the sign that you're making progress. And then maybe, Zach, to your point, that's when you could sign a player to help out. You could sign a pitcher to add one more to the list. And you could start looking at maybe 2023 as a year. Not that you're competing to win you know, something of significance, but that you're, that you're in contention and you could show a sign that, 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 that this is working and that you just need more reinforcements to come. Well, yeah, and I, I don't think that you put Adley Rutschman on the Major League roster to not surround him with talent. I don't think that that means right. that they're in the Carlos Correa, Kyle Seeger, Trevor Story right. sweepstakes, but I think right. that it means that maybe we see some, maybe they bring in a, a, a middle of the rotation type of starter to help bridge the gap until some of those guys get. Exactly. I, I've seen exactly. Javier Baez be suggested a few times. And that, um, that's a move I would like. Right, like at $80 million, which is even, I would still think too rich for the Orioles, but it certainly Probably. wouldn't be the $300 million that Carlos Correa will command. So yeah. it could be an option, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Just, I agree. Just want to remind everybody that the PGA Tour's top 70 golfers coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. We have Glenn Clark from Glenn Clark Radio here on the line in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Glenn, you ready to play some take uh, some take the race? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play, but I assume I'm getting first pick, so I'm gonna cheat. I'm just uh, uh, can no, I get? No, I just, no, you do not get first pick. 
Oh, damn it. Jeremy Jeremy Kahn did not award you that that spot. Actually, Ah. Jeremy Kahn, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeremy Kahn, uh, he picked Freddie Galvis, who went 4 for 27, no home runs, no RBIs, one run, one walk, eight Ks. His slash line, 148. 179, oh. 148. All four hits were singles. Seems good. Yeah, so oh. so oh. he took Galvis. If he had won, you would have been able to pick first as the guest. Yeah, um, But okay. he, he actually pulled up the rear. Um, I took Trey Mancini. Four for 28, two home runs, three RBIs, one walk, 10 Ks, four runs, slash 143, 172, 393. The, the slugging percentage and the production means that I'm going to pick second, but I did not win. Uh, Zach took Cedric Mullins, six for yeah. twenty-seven. Loving it. Six for twenty-seven. Two home runs, three RBIs, three walks, three runs, two walks, ten Ks, two twenty-two, two sixty-seven, five nineteen slash line. Nobody raked this week. I mean, Literally, it's like a it's still like a seven fifty. Well, but hang on, you got something. one of the Mullins two home run games in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, he, hey, he, yeah. right. But Trey Mancini had a two home run game and hit one forty-three this week. That's true. Um, All right, fair. Um, so. Zach, I think all four of his wins are with Cedric Mullins, so I'm going to ban him from ever picking that is, Cedric that Mullins is not, again. I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I feel like I won with Mountcastle or something one time. Um, he's, he literally picks Cedric Mullins every every other every week. other week. It's literally every other yeah, week. Because you're not allowed to pick the same player two weeks in a row. Nobody else picks him, so I just take him every week. It's so, great. Um, Zach has, I guess, he's earned. Um, if you can with a 222 batting average, yeah, I but guess he's earned still first almost pick. almost 800 OPS. <laughs> Almost 800. Anyway, go ahead and make your All right, I'm going to go with Ryan Malcastle. He's been pretty hot. Ryan so Malcastle. Ryan Malcastle's the pick. So yeah, it certainly certainly was on my radar. Yeah, um, I think it was on all of our radars. Yeah. He's the only guy who's consistently hitting in that lineup right now. Um, sure. You know what? I'm going to cede the second pick to you, Glenn, oh, because thank I, you. I, our guys, you're the guest, and our guys weren't too far apart. In fact, your guy had a better batting average, and my guy had a better slugging percentage in production. But I'm going to cede the second pick to you. I appreciate that because I, I'm I, look. I know it's cheating, but I'm going to do what Zach did. I'm just going to take Cedric Mullins. I'm going to do it specifically. I'm, I'll, I'll give you the reason. Oh, I think no. he's becoming a show. I think he's becoming a showman, and we're all presuming that he will hang on to one of the top nine spots in the outfield in voting when they announce it tomorrow. Yeah. And so he's got a week to. And, and I don't. I don't think that he can get a top three spot in voting. But I think that at this point he can seal the deal. And in a season where there's not much to play for, this is something to play for, that you have a week of a spotlight where you are in the finalists, that people are paying attention, where either you're going to get a top three spot, which I think is unlikely, or you're going to do so much that it becomes obvious that you have to be an all-star. So I think that's the part that matters to me, and it's not just I'm taking Cedric Mullins because he's the best Oriole. I think the time is important for him to have a big week. No, I I agree with you, and honestly, he wasn't on my radar this week. Ooh. My pick is Austin Hayes, and I'll tell you okay. why. Yeah, he's Austin hot. Hayes. He started the he's he was like four for thirty eight coming off the the IL. But he had two really loud outs on Thursday before lacing a single. He had a, a, a rocket of a double to tie the game in a big spot yeah. last night uh, to snap two losing streaks for the Orioles. I think his bat's heating up, and I think they were, and Zach talked about how he's been a streaky player to this point in his young major league career. I think we're about to see a hot streak from Austin Hayes, and I think that that's going to put me over the top for my fifth win uh, this season in take to rake. I like it. I like yeah. it. Pick. It's a good yeah. pick. So, all right, Glenn, thank you so much for joining the program. I always enjoy talking to you, and uh, I'll, I'll be actually filling in for you on Glenn Clark Radio in about a month. 
Uh, you're going to be on a long vacation to go see your grandfather, I believe it is. So Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you for that, Paul. That means a lot. But, yes, thank, thank you, guys. Happy to do it. I appreciate all that you guys are doing. You guys are, are doing a great job every week. And enjoy listening to you guys and enjoy being a part of the show. Thanks so much, man. Have a great week of shows yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right, see you. And that was Glenn Clark uh, from Glenn Clark Radio right here in Press Box, and he records from the exact same studio that we're in right now, uh, joining us on the program. And I just want to remind you that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via, via Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Orioles prospect Grace Rodriguez, potential first-round pick Jordan Lawler, Johns Hopkins, lacrosse legend Kyle Harrison, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. You got a RAV4 for us, right? I do, I do. You need to make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. Uh, And I need to pull this up because I lost it, so I'm going to restart. I'm so sorry. How dare you? I know. I how, lost how, it. How dare you? In the meantime, while you're trying to find it, I... Okay, I, here we go. Here we go. Go ahead. Go Make ahead. the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. That's the line I couldn't remember. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. And uh, the latest edition of PressBox is available now on the cover. Thomas Kenzura profiles University of Maryland quarterback Tulia Tungavailoa and his chances to deliver the Terps to the Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smoka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. We meet the area's Olympic athletes and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And big news, the mouse is working again. I don't know. Oh, man. I don't The the computer god smiled upon you today. We got to get a final break 15 minutes after the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, But we're going to get that break. When we come back, we're going to close things out here on the Battle Round. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate UFC fight night experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. Watch Dustin Poirier take on the former champion Conor McGregor and get the ringside feeling with our state-of-the-art AV system and stadium seating. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Tickets now on sale for UFC 264 at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Fitting that we have Glenn Clark radio music when we just had after, Glenn Clark. After Glenn Clark. Yeah. After Glenn Clark was just on. But we have it every week, and I love it. I'm going to let it just it. play out. I'm yeah. not muting this. I love it. Oh, yeah, no, it's too good. It's great, great background it's music good. for us. Um, good show today. Good show today. Good show. I, I, I intentionally only booked 10 guests today. Um, 10 guests. One. <laughs> I was going to say. One, no, two, had, two guests. Stan, Stan well, and Glenn. Well, usually, but Stan is. But, but – uh, only one extra guest in addition to Stan because I wanted us right. to have an opportunity. Stan's on every week, though. To, so. to, to talk more right. about this team and about the minor leagues and a lot of stuff that happened over the week. Um, one of the things that happened that we didn't address. I have something this, I want to get to as well, by the way. And this was the first time that I can remember myself calling out Brandon Hyde mm-hmm. publicly. Yeah. And it's not like I, I like called up a radio show and said anything. I to hate him. Brandon Hyde. It's not, yeah, right, it's not right, like right. I was in a press conference with him. And I said, hey, "You answer for this." Right. But I went on social media. The Orioles were losing thirteen to nothing to the Astros the other day. Yeah. It's the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. They have the bases loaded. They have nobody out. Yeah. 
Cedric Mullins spots coming in coming up, but Austin Hayes bats instead because he was um, he was batting in play. He, he had taken over in center field for for Mullins, and then he gets out. And maybe this was maybe this was Thursday. Maybe this was the first game against Toronto. I think it was. I think it was the first game against Toronto. And then you have Trey Mancini's spot coming up, and you pinch hit. Trey Mancini's arguably next to Cedric Mullins, and maybe even more so. Your most popular player, yeah. right? Oh, easy. And easy. you're down nine nothing. This is a home game, so it was it was it was home against the Astros. It was the other night against the Astros. He he's coming up to the plate with the bases loaded and one out. You have fans that sat there and sat through that game, right? And you, this is all you have to give them is Trey Mancini batting in the eighth inning. Right. With the bases loaded. People are excited to see Trey. That's you know. all you have to give them. And you pinch hit your, your least popular player. I don't right. think I'm going out on the limb here saying no, that Pedro Severino I, I is your least popular player. who really likes Pedro Severino. You Sorry. pinch <laughs> hit him for your most popular player. Right. And I understand the thought process. Trey plays every day. Cedric right. plays every day. Let's right. get them some rest. In the middle of a 20 games and 20 days stretch. Right. I understand that. You're taking this away from the fans. You're taking it away from the fans to see Trey Mancini bat with the bases loaded. The fans who've sat there literally all game watching you lose Watching you get your teeth right. kicked in, 13 to nothing. And the one thing that they have, you take it away from them. For Pedro Severino, and what did Pedro Severino do? Right. He grounded into a double play. Right. To end the inning. As expected, to be and, honest. And, and it's like... You could have let Trey hit, and if he doubles, if he singles, if he walks, pinch run for him. Right. If he gets out, defensive replacement in the ninth inning. Right. Right? Like, you don't need to take him out in that situation. And you took that away from your fans. For me, whatever, man. Like... And I'm not saying I'm a better fan. I'm saying that, like, I, I I cover this team and I work around this team. So, like, I have a ton of opportunities. And, I, and I'm and i not going to get my panties in a bunch if... Am I allowed to say that anymore? Uh, I guess we'll just go with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll just go, go with I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get myself worked up over it for my sake. But for the fans that are in that stadium that sat there and waded through that entire game, you can still hear them on the broadcast. To take Trey away from them in that situation, to me, that was one of the biggest mistakes of Hyde's managerial career. I don't get that. I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. I just don't get it. I don't know. Pedro Severino, I mean, it, it, it's all about who Pedro Severino is, too. It's not only taking out Trey Mancini. You put in Pedro Severino, who has done absolutely nothing to get guys in with runners to score. It's basically like throwing in the towel, you know? It's yeah. saying, we're just quitting. You know, 13 nothing, whatever. You know, Trey doesn't have to hit here. Yeah, and, and look, you're it's not what get, it is to me. It's basically saying we're quitting. It's not like we're expecting you to come back from thirteen no, nothing. But give but a like, little come fight. On, man. Come on, and believe it or not, that was the first time they had been shut out since the end of April. Yeah, just just show a little fight. But, like you don't have to pull your best player who and a guy who could bases loaded, as you said, could hit a grand slam. You're not going to win the game, but hey, it would make it a lot more fun for the people who stuck it out. Right, and, and, and again, I, I for the sake of the game, I don't care. Right. I'm not upset that you that you threw in the towel. I'm upset you lost 13 nothing. But uh, yeah, I'm upset. But, you, I, but and, and and we talked about this when we were talking about it the other day uh, through messaging. Um, I'm not upset that you threw in the towel. Right. 
I'm upset that you took Trey Mancini in a big posi- in a big situation to score some runs and give the fans something to celebrate. I'm upset that you took that away from the fans. Right. Your team is awful. Your team is absolutely awful. You have maybe four major league players in your entire on your entire 26 man right. roster uh, that aren't in the bullpen, right? And you take the most popular player away. I, I, I get maybe I'm beating a dead horse and maybe I'm just being redundant here. It just blew my mind that he didn't have the wherewithal yeah. and the foresight yeah. to think. I can't do this to the fans. They've suffered right. enough. Let me. Li- and if Trey strikes out, he strikes out. If Trey grounds into a double play, and I still think he leads the majors in doing that, he, does. he grounds into a double play. But at least the opportunity was there. You didn't even give fans the opportunity to see something magical happen from Trey. Right. I think you just mentioned to Glenn, we don't want to think about the possibility that this rebuild might not work. But it's out there. You mentioned that. I mean, yeah. it, it's uh, we have to address that there is a possibility. Nothing is for sure, ever, in baseball. It's very, very hard to win in this league, and it's very, very hard to win in the AL East. There's nothing for sure. These fans, though, they have, you know, me and you, we've seen enough. You know, we, we've waited out enough. We've waited. We've watched the Orioles lose. So just give us something, you know, to be happy with. But... You know, when when this rebuild comes to fruition, if it comes to fruition, we're going to want to say, you know, I'm trying to put this the best way I can. We Basically, what I'm trying to say is we need to give more to the fans. We need to give more to the fans to make this a more understandable and more easy process to go through. And when and if this rebuild comes to fruition, we can look back on this and say, oh, well, at least it was a little bit entertaining. Yeah, if that makes any sense at all. You, but you owe the fans a king's ransom, right? You, you really, right. you really do. These fans are going to sit through five years at least of non-competitive baseball, dude. I am, and I'm not to age myself. I am 36 years old. I'll be 37 in September. Mm-hmm. I have not seen a World Series in Baltimore in my entire life. There you go. Which is whatever. There were Cubs fans that went 108 years. Okay, I get that. Right. The Red Sox were out of it for a while, sure. But, but furthermore. They at least got have gotten to see their teams play right. in World Series. They lost, but they got to see them play, and then eventually they both both those teams won. Right. I've seen four playoff seasons. I'm sorry, five five playoff seasons in my entire life. Right. And one of them was a one game playoff that the Orioles lost in like 13 innings. Mm-hmm. I've seen five playoff teams and a, a wild card they it, lost it, in 2016 it, that's, so. that's, that's what i'm talking oh, about you're, okay, gotcha, that's what okay. I'm ta- i've seen five playoff teams in my entire life i've seen 13 winning seasons in my entire life right you owe me more than that right it, and like and like we were just talking about if this rebuild doesn't come to fruition if it doesn't the fans, I mean, what, where are the fans even going to go i mean what are the fans even going to do right, and, i and, can't imagine and, 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 and another thing the, I saw somebody post this on social media the other day. The Orioles did a giveaway mm-hmm. where they gave away his, like uh, sunglasses. Yeah. But if you had a ticket in the upper deck, you didn't get the sunglasses. Really? I didn't hear that. They didn't give it to you. It, somebody said that they had a ticket in the upper deck. Really? And when they asked for the sunglasses, they said, well, where are your seats? They said, I'm sitting here. And they're like, oh, you're in upper reserve. You have to be from this level down to get the, to get the giveaway. I did not hear that. That's one, not good. <laughs> one, I guarantee you, you had enough to give every fan the sunglasses it's twice over like because you draw 16,000 right, fans a night. Right, right. But you So basically what you're telling me is if you if you can't afford better seats than upper reserve or you don't want to spend your hard-earned money watching a 115 lost team, right. 
then we're not going to give you our give. That is ridiculous. Now, maybe this person, some people lie. Right. Could so, be. Could so, be. Some people make stuff up because they just want to be heard and, and whatnot. But I don't think this person was lying. You're really going to alienate part of your fan base because they didn't get better seats? Yeah. That's, that's, I, personally, I always buy the, the upper reserve tickets. Almost they, always. You can get really – there's not a bad seat in the No, games. there's not. And, 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 it, and if you're going to watch, go watch a team that going into last night had lost 14 of 15, right. had a, had a six-game losing streak, eight-game losing streak, and 14-game right. losing streak this season. You're not you going to pay $50 to sit I'm not paying 75 bucks to yeah. sit behind the dugout. Right. I'm not doing right. that. I mean, if you look at it, like the seats behind home plate are well over $100. Like, and, and that's – with I guess what they should be on a good team, but when when you're a bad team, make them like fifty bucks. Like I think there are a lot of people who would sit behind home. There shouldn't be a ticket in bucks. that stadium more than twenty five dollars. That's fair but, too. That's but fair too. It, it, uh, from a fan standpoint, that's never going to happen from a from a from. But a, maybe they maybe they would draw more crowds like twenty thousand. But maybe do a promotion yeah. where but, did you see on this date on this Saturday afternoon. Tickets behind home plate or no ticket in the stadium costs more than twenty five dollars. Yeah, upper reserve are two fifty. Right, you know, bleacher seats are four bucks. <laughs> behind home plate is are twenty five bucks. Behind the dugout's twenty two. Like people will come. Right, I don't know if you you saw it the other day, but um, I'm, I'm sure you watched the game. But the Cedric Mullins T-shirt giveaway night, that place was packed. Like I think there was like at least twenty grand, which is really good for for a you know the Orioles right now. Twenty thousand people is really good. Um. But imagine the amount of people that would come to a game if they gave away, like, replica Adley Rutschman jerseys or Adley Rutschman shirts or, uh, you know, They'll Grayson do that when, when he gets here. They will, but, like, even right now, it's a great way to draw fans. Um, they and, just, and look, they the, just announced, by the way, a, a John Means bobblehead night, which I'm yeah. sure will attract a lot of people. The, but they the, need the to Orioles do more have, of that. They have good promotions, they, and yeah. they, have, they have a lot of promotions. Yeah. They, they, uh, concerts are coming back to the ballpark. They're yeah. going to have their fireworks nights again. Uh, like, they, they do fine with that. But make a game more affordable for somebody to come out because people don't want to spend a ton of money. Right. And maybe people could afford it if your team was in the playoff hunt. Yeah. If your team was even yeah. a 500 team that kind of fizzled out uh, out of the playoff picture in mid to late August. like the 20, If your team was the 2017 Orioles, you know, people would pay right. fifty to seventy-five dollars to have great seats. It's funny. I was actually in 2019, 2018, I was legitimately able to get three and four dollar tickets on SeatGeek. Three and four dollars mm-hmm. uh, in the left in left field, uh, like on the lower section in left field. Now those seats are like thirty dollars okay? because what, for whatever reason they're not as cheap anymore. I don't know why. Maybe COVID, had, you know, part to, to do with Probably. that. Probably, but people would resell them for like three or four dollars. I would go to a, I went to like fifteen games that year because three or four dollars. Why not? I yeah. mean, you can go. But if you're charging, you know, thirty, forty, fifty bucks to sit on the left field line, you know, down low, not up high, of course. It just it's a lot, for and sure. you have to sit sideways to see the action. But right. anyway, look, this whole thing is just just basically because I just felt felt like Brandon Hyde did a disservice to the fans by taking Trey Mancini out in that situation. I understand why he did it. I thought it was the wrong move. Yeah, I thought it was the wrong move. And, and you and I have talked about maybe he's made a wrong move here with the pitching or a wrong move there. Batting Pedro Severino fourth is always a wrong move. Uh, always, it's always. Maybe playing, you know, having Pedro Severino on this roster at all could yeah, be that, a wrong yeah, move. Yeah, his baseball career has been a wrong move. But it's it's just you can't take stuff away from the fans when you've already right. taken away so much, you know. And, and rebuilds look like this. I get that, but. 
I, and it's hard to say you don't owe me anything, I guess, right. but you do. Not and maybe not me, but the fans. A better you, experience. You, of you owe the I fans do. something. You, you just do. We are run really, really long. Is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, today? but I did want to make the the comment. Did you see the All Star Game jerseys? Yes. What a horrendous miss. We talk about marketing with with baseball and everything. Horrible. I mean, well, like and, you, and you cannot even you cannot design a, a six year old could design jerseys better than the ones they came out with. It's like they looked at the hats like, that they what? made a month ago yeah. for each region. Oh yeah, and, just, and and they were like, "Wow, that was a big failure. How do we get this fan base back?" I know. <laughs> Take everything that we put on the hats that was wrong. Yeah. Put it on the jersey. I don't know if you've ever seen like some of the really bad like German soccer jerseys. Like there's some. It looks like a soccer jersey. It's really they're, bad. They're awful. And, it's and really bad. Here's the other thing, and I can't believe they're doing this. Every year since at least 1999, because I remember when they when you used to see guys in the home run derby wearing their own jersey. I love that personally. I love that. But every year that I can remember since 1999, mm-hmm. they're wearing. American League jerseys or National League jerseys that say American League, like they're they're the All Star right. practice jerseys, but then they play in the games, and they're wearing their team's jersey. Right. So you'd see the Orioles player wearing an Orioles uniform, the Orioles home whites. Apparently this year, that's not the case. These horrific, yeah, horrendous, these are gonna be everything. ugly jerseys that they're showing us. I don't mind the hats. I think the hats are kind of cool. They're all right. They're all right. The, the, but the jerseys are are awful. And they're going to wear those in the game. Just for people who haven't seen the jerseys, go look it up. It's really bad. Um, Why are you making them it, wear this in the game? I have no idea. I, I like I like seeing, personally, all the different jerseys. Um, I do, you too. Know, seeing Orioles, Rays, whatever. I like seeing that. That's, that's always, I think, a very cool part of the All-Star game. But if you haven't seen these, it basically has for the Orioles, B-A-L, down the left side, it says B-A-L in these giant red letters on a blue, I believe it's on a blue background for American League. And then it has the Orioles logo just right over top of the BAL. It just looks so bad. Like, you cannot... It just makes no sense. It looks... Who, who designed these things? It looks like Target brand Ravens gear. Yeah, yeah. You remember yeah. Those, those Target brand yeah, Ravens jerseys? I, I used to have, like, some of those Flacco jerseys where they were, like, super fake and you could tell, but hey, yeah, why and, not? <laughs> and, and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, I know where you got your jersey. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, like, right. I, and I know that you spent $15. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, like, exactly. It, it, that's what these th- – and these are Major League Baseball-issued jerseys. Right, they, they, they and hired they look someone like, to design this. And they like, look – th- th- that person's – no matter how much money they gave them, that person's overpaid. And, <laughs> and they probably got hundreds of thousands of dollars I'm to sure, do this. I'm sure, I'm sure. They basically stole money to do this. Like, this is a Major League – this is Major League Baseball. It's so bad. It's and so they have bad. Target brand looking yeah. Yeah. all-star game jerseys. Guys, we got to get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will talk to you next week right here on The Bat Around. See ya.